Islanders, and I approve this message! In my travels across this country, I hear too many stories from Americans whom the system has failed! Thank you so much, Mr. Sanders. What you do is so inspiring. So the other day I was working at my uh, job at a fast food restaurant, and they ordered a, a filet of fish, and instead I, gave them a, instead I gave them a double cheeseburger. And then they said that they wanted a filet of fish, so they asked to speak with my manager, and my manager said, why do you keep getting the orders wrong? And so my manager fired for me, and it wasn't even $15 an hour, and now when I applied to dro- jobs, I keep trying to get to but. It won't fill. Uh, it won't pass the drug test because I accidentally fell on a needle and it, it put heroin in me. And now I can't get a job. And I need you to pay for it. In a Bernie Sanders presidency, these Americans will be heard, and Bernie Sanders will help them. Not good enough, America. You found yourself at the junction where worlds meet. Politics. Civility? How about honesty in this country, folks? Entertainment. I don't like entertainment. And a whole bunch of other stuff. It's about having a healthy body image. You have a very unhealthy body. You should have a horrible body image. Not a big home improvement market in Detroit. <laughs> we are definitely going to get letters. You're listening to Talk Radio's Strangest Animal. You're a strange you're getting louder with Crowder. But you're a strange animal, I got to follow. Oh, I'm in the speedy to Oh, glad to be with you. That sound means it's the weekend. I am your host, Stephen Crowder, producing with me in studio, live stream video cast for those listening to Rest Really, as always, is Jared, who is not gay. You can follow him on Twitter at NotKJared, I fulfill my legal obligations and draw your own conclusions. We good. I'm just happy to be here, Stephen. You are just, just happy ha- to be here. <laughs> like John Kasich. Like John Kasich. Just, just happy to be Not here. NotKJared is happy to be here. We have a, a couple of great guests. Well, three, actually. We have Coach Mark Ripito. Uh, we've had him on the show before. Noted strength coach to uh, world renowned. One of the me- best-selling strength coaches around also. Literally wrote the book. Literally wrote the book on strength. Also noted geologist and uh, pretty big into politics. Smart guy. We have him. And then we have evolutionary biologist uh, Gad Said from Montreal who has done some incredible research on the psychology and the sort of evolutionary process of political correctness and, and why it is ruining Everything that it touches. Finally, if you think that I've been unfair to um, Sir Donald Trump, we have my dad, Papa Crowder, on in the last hour. He was just going off. I said, you know what? Why don't you just say this stuff on air? He said, okay. <laughs> if you're that bold about it. If yeah, you're that bold. If, if you're willing to. But, uh, Go on record here. Speaking of which, a big week. So let's talk about this first. We're going to get into a, a bunch of other issues and all the crazy social justice warrior stuff, which is fun. We usually try and avoid the micro political talk, but. An important one, Wisconsin happened this week, uh, for those who were not following. Pretty, 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 pretty good. Unless you don't like Donald Trump, then it was really bad. A really bad day. It's like doomsday. But Bernie Sanders did well, and uh, Ted Cruz won by a, a huge margin. Landslide. 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 Now, obviously, Ted Cruz is behind Donald Trump is, is, is the front runner. Except that I understand that a lot of people out there like Donald Trump. Here's why this matters. We won't get into the whole 
voter fraud thing. Every time Donald Trump loses, that's what bothers me. People, they come up with these conspiracy theories. Listen, when Ted Cruz loses, he loses. If, if When Rubio, lo- they lose. When Donald Trump loses, he doesn't lose. But every positive poll is constantly cited, never ending on Twitter. This is why this is important. So uh, Wisconsin is the last vote, the last primary that happens for a long time. Uh, for over a week, I think. When's the next one? I'm trying to remember the next. I think the next round is, I think it's New York, April 19th. Right, okay. So Wisconsin is the last one for a while. This is when we have one, boom, big gap. This is why that's important. Worst week of Donald Trump's uh, political campaign. Gaff after gaff, self-inflicted wounds, and uh, his disapproval rating went through the roof, and Ted Cruz gained a lot of ground on him. Then Wisconsin happens. It's a big blowout win. I think Donald Trump ended up getting three delegates. That's going to be the last thing in people's minds. So we don't want to get too boring and drying in the political thing, but this is important to note. And every now and then I can kind of get uh, one of these right. So uh, something else that's pretty, pretty important to note, Ted Cruz won. This is the first time he's won every demographic. So... Um, Big cities. Much like Trump did in South Carolina, I think he yeah, won. Yeah, Trump typically has done better in more rural areas. Mm-hmm. Uh, people don't like to hear this, but with, with l- lesser educated white voters. That's been his strong suit. But even And he's led that by a landslide. Uh, in this one, he lost that by about four points. Mm-hmm. So Ted Cruz won women. He won men. He won older people. He won younger people. He won self-professed conservatives. He won moderates. He won uh, independents. He won college educated. He won non-college educated. Something else that's really big because we thought everything else was going to be a landslide going into the Northeast. And it very well could be. I still expect New York to be a blowout. Um, Ted Cruz did a lot better in big cities, which I think surprised a lot of people. And that when you go east, a lot of these places are big cities. And what's important is he wasn't doing that before. Four. So that's a shift. Nationally, for the first time, Ted Cruz, Reuters Daily Poll, this is the first time, is leading Trump by two. Now, he's been losing for a while. They were, they were closer a while back. That's important. So what does that mean? Just so you know, as we go into this, it comes down to Pennsylvania. New York's probably going to go to Donald Trump. We all know that. It's, it's a proportional primary. It's not a winner take all. As long as anyone else remains even remotely competitive, um, that won't be a blowout. California is interesting because it is a winner take all. And he's within a point of Cruz, but Pennsylvania is a winner-take-all, and that's the big one, where, um, you know, Kasich, I hate to say it, but Kasich might win Pennsylvania. So it comes down to what happens in Pennsylvania. That's what people are looking to. Whatever happens in Pennsylvania will likely determine if we go to a contested convention. So boiling it all down, you're going to get a lot of information. What is this? Le- this leaves Trump in a tough spot. This is interesting to me. This is where politics get interesting. Think about this. Trump has a lot of momentum now that's coming uh, coming up against him. And he had a really bad week. This is what's going to be in people's minds until the next primary. He either has to continue, uh, be more Trumpish, which is what's hurt him here, or take his foot off the gas pedal, in which case his constituency thinks he's kind of a pansy. So he's in a tough spot, mm-hmm. and it'll be interesting to see what he does. It seems like he's 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 trying to accelerate through it, and if you've seen his attacks on Cruz this week, um, they've <laughs> been nonstop. They've been getting increasingly uh, more tantrum-y. But, um, so that's where we are. So that's that's interesting to talk about the Trump thing. Um, do we want to talk about the Roger Stone deal? Right the we can. Yeah, it's up to you. Yeah, let's play this clip. And that, that way we can get all the, all the Trump and political stuff out of the way and get to our guests and, and speak, on, speak on more interesting matters. Uh, Roger Stone, who, of course, worked in the Trump campaign, does not any longer, but they are on good terms, was on a podcast. Uh, Stephen Molyneux? Molyneux? I can't pronounce it. Yeah, something it's Molyneux French. would be the French word. Um, and this is 
what he was talking about with the contested convention. Let's roll that clip. Okay, Jared. Come to Cleveland. March on Cleveland. Join us in the Forest City. We're going to have protests, demonstrations. We will disclose the hotels and the room numbers of those delegates who are directly involved in the steal. If you're from Pennsylvania, we'll tell you who the culprits are. We urge you to visit their hotel and find them. Uh, all right, wherever you line up, my question here, and tweet me at S. Crowder, at what point does that become a criminal liability? Gosh. I wouldn't be going there unarmed. I would not be going to Cleveland unarmed. I would have a shotgun tied to that door handle like a Home Alone booby trap. Yes. And I know someone's going to say that's illegal. I know it's illegal. But are the flamethrowers, the makeshift, are those? That is the question. If it's a pellet gun, I think you're in the clear. Well, you know. But you know, it's one thing to say, oh, you encourage violent rhetoric by saying Planned Parenthood is bad with Carly Fiorina. Or when they tried to, a long time ago, uh, Sarah Palin say, you know, they did the, the, what was it? She had that target map saying, well, if someone... Right, right, winging bitter, clinging, can I, can I get a hallelujah? That's my jam. That is, that is not Gay Jarrett's jam. She had the target maps and they said, look, this is, you're responsible for Giffords, I think. <laughs> That's silly. But if someone says, we're going to have a day of, of, uh, not protest, he had a day of rage for Donald Trump. I'm going mm-hmm. to post hotels and their numbers and you better pay them a visit. Someone shows up and hurts somebody. Is that guy criminally liable at that point? Well, it's nothing new for Trump. I think about when he was calling for paying the lawsuits for people who punch him in the punch face. face. Yeah. So this is because, again, that's not familiar speech. strategy. That's a call to action. Yeah. And I'm a little disappointed. You know, Stefan, I've, I've watched some of his podcasts. I like a lot of the things. We invited him on the show a while back and he said that he didn't have time and he didn't do other shows, um, which I thought was surprising. You know, he didn't do guests at the time. And now he has a guy on who's talking about posting people's addresses. So. Perhaps that's that's a more legitimate form of <laughs> criticism of, of people with whom you disagree. I you know I, I can't believe that we're here. I can't believe we're making fun of people's wives and we're talking about posting hotel room numbers. Um, and I think this is this is really hurting Donald Trump. I really do think that it's hurting him right now. And I know his fans, he can do no wrong. So it'll be interesting to see what what happens here. Um, I don't know out there who out there is. We have a few listeners out there in Pennsylvania. I don't know if we're broadcasting in Pennsylvania, but uh, I was going to talk. I, was, I keep getting this buzz here in my ear that's driving me absolutely insane. Those are the voices. Just, just These are just the voices those. that are in, in my head. Uh, I wanted to talk about. I don't know how much time we have. I wanted to talk about Pfizer and the pharmaceutical companies. Um, before well, we need more time for that. This is about you know this these tariffs and these pharmaceutical companies. I don't know if you heard they wanted to go out to Ireland because of a lower corporate tax rate. And Barack Obama pushed some legislation saying, no, no, you have to stay here. So this is the, 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 the big government. People need to understand this absolutely screws the middle class and the working class more than any other mechanism of governance out there, more than any other mechanism of commerce out there is big government. And I want to talk about that, but I want to be thorough so it doesn't be, get taken out of context. Uh, you made a good point. Before we, we get into all this stuff, speaking of people being beaten, you were talking about being raised this week. You know, when we watched Family Matters. And uh, well, it came off the heels because I, I had finished the OJ, the OJ show. show that's week. it. And I'd finished that, and I was really surprised. I mean, I grew up. I, you know, I was born in '90, so I was, you know, a young child playing with my boogers when OJ was, you know, racing down the, you know, 403 in his or whatever the highway it is in his, in his white Bronco. And you dig it and yes. roll it. Yes, and so. I just was surprised how much the show painted, you know, the whole Black Lives, you know, matter matters origins in a negative light. 
I was kind of taken back back that. So, because I remember, you know, I, I grew up in the '90s, and so I watched you know some of the shows I watched were Family Matters and right, uh, you know, Fresh Prince, Cosby Show, which is funny. Family Full Matters, House, but the dad I don't want was that really on record. No, you don't want that on record. No, Family Matters, right? That w- the father was a cop. Father was a cop. Fresh, Fresh Prince. Prince Judge. Right. They put uh, it on the opposite Dr. side of the law. Yeah, which Dr. is kind of Huxtable. funny. And, and that's changed dramatically. And it's funny. We were talking about this. We watched this growing up. When you talk about this division, not only in politics and the Trump situation, but the, of course the, the left has been the, the biggest culprit with that. You talk about the racial division. These weren't black shows. These were the shows we watched. I didn't, yeah, I didn't think I'm watching a black show when I watched it. It was just, just a funny show. Right. I didn't think I was chiming in, you know, getting in the black, you know, gig. So I don't know. It was funny. But now we're at a point where... Almost everything is, oh, this is a Tyler Perry show. This is, this is where the black yep, people watch, yep. and white people watch this show. Therefore, we need quotas, and we need to fight for quotas and equality. And uh, I just want to go back to Carl Winslow. We'll be back after this. Talk more. Those kids were fast as lightning. In fact, it was a little bit frightening. But they fought with And now for episode 245, a Game of Thrones fandom podcast. So, did you see that this week, Eugene? The the episode? Yeah. Did you see it with a lot of boobs in it? Yeah. We'll be back with installment 342 of the Game of Thrones fandom podcast. Hey, you're probably hearing this podcast either through iTunes or SoundCloud, something like that, or maybe you've heard it on the syndicated radio show across the country, but you may not know that this show is actually live streamed, video live streamed every Thursday night, 8 o'clock Eastern, Thursday, 8 o'clock Eastern at loudowithcrowder.com or youtube.com slash Steven Crowder. You can actually watch the live stream, see the guests. See all of these little infographics going on there. We have some exclusive commercials. You get to see the Hopper Cam. People like the Hopper Cam. uh, And additional firings of Not Gay Jared. So, again, it's free. If you want to see what you're hearing, go watch the live stream. Thursdays, 8 p.m. Eastern. LotterworthCrowder.com. Wooka wooka. Don't do that. All right, glad to be back. And uh, don't don't do that. Don't inter- you can't do it better than Outcast. So don't I, try. But I try. I just wanna... no. I don't want you to try. Oh, gosh, I just I get too into it. Is the problem. This is why we need crappy royalty free music. So I don't get sucked in. That this way. is why your dad should have taught you to lower your expectations and not try. He's certainly dead with me, so. Okay, so we, we did a few videos this week. We were talking about democratic socialism. We had a lot of feedback coming up uh, at the bottom of the hour. Coach Mark Ripito. Um, here's something that was interesting, I think is sort of emblematic, and a lot of people miss this. This week, there was a big story. Pfizer, I think, what's the other company? Allergan? Allergan? There's going to be a merger, right? Yeah, Allergan. Uh, the pharmaceutical company. Big, evil pharmaceutical company. By the way, they, they, they pay the show along with the Koch brothers and Big Oil. Um, yeah, it's, it, you I mean, haven't it cut my saying. portion, my check yet. Oh, uh, the Koch brothers? You get that in before the well, they hate, tax they, day? They hate not gay people, so uh, I, don't, I wouldn't I expect wouldn't a, a, a beefy check. Uh, whatever. So 
they were planning this merger. Uh, it would basically put Pfizer in Ireland, right? Big tax haven. Little known fact about Bono, who supports big liberal policies, has his money in Ireland, which is a well-known tax haven. A lot of America, some American businesses do this. So I want to follow the logic trail here because right away people get mad at big pharmaceutical companies and go, yeah, they don't have the right to do that. So they say, oh my gosh, highest corporate tax rate in the industrialized world, the United States. Um, we're going to put our we're going to put our business in Ireland. Okay, this is going that way we can we can continue to sustain ourselves. Barack Obama, liberals, then create a law to punish American companies that take any of their business offshore. They said no. So they have to stay, forcing them to pay record high taxes, these corporations. So what happens? These companies, a good example, I just want you to follow me down the logic trail here, will inevitably necessarily raise the price of drugs. Again, they're paying over a 30% corporate tax rate. Then liberals declare healthcare to be a human right. And they pass legislation to force them to reduce or put a cap on drug prices. So they screw the businesses with the high taxes. They ban them from legally migrating somewhere where they could avoid said high taxes. Of course, eliminating any kind of international competition. And then they legislate that these companies lower their profit margins. And what's crazy is that you know in Europe their, ta- their, their corporate tax rates are much lower. Mm-hmm. People don't understand that. That's not an evil capitalism thing. Even a lot of these socialist countries that leftists love to praise have lower corporate tax rates because they want to have higher individual tax rates. They understand that a corporation being taxed less allows for more money to go yep. to the employees. Um, you know, and we hear the United States is the only country without a nationalized health care plan. But we're also the number one country. We're the only country with. Number one in research, cures, Nobel Prizes, uh, survival rates, it's not even close. Why? Because it's profitable to innovate here. And now we're killing it. So what do you think is going to happen if you keep these corporate tax rates so high, force companies, let's just use the pharmaceutical industry for a start, force them to stay here, and then say also you can't raise your prices. What is going to happen? Probably some less research, probably less drugs. Many of you listening right now will probably die. I've seen some of you send in your fan pictures. I don't think many of you are going to make it past the week. I don't know if it's a meth habit or you have some bug that we haven't figured out yet, but you need to get yourselves checked out. The exact same thing occurs here with minimum wage. How does big government screw people with minimum wage? Okay. Force businesses to fight for 15. Pay a $15 minimum wage regardless of skill or value. Now, if that business automates jobs, right? With machines or computers, what does the government do? Why are you laughing? I just had the Neil Cavuto Oh, the Neil Cavuto. They have that up on the site. He's so friendly with his schooling. He's so friendly. I don't don't feel like, what I like about him is, is I don't think he's a guy who wants to be there. I think he's a guy who's like, ah, I'd rather be home perfecting my stir fry recipe. But I'll politely school this idiot on economics instead. And He's know, just, probably the best kind of, in just, news right uh, now. It's, it's so fun to watch him do that. What's amazing to me is the people they send out to represent these these causes. Yeah. The this Fight is, for 15, this video. They this, send is, out. this is your representative. She came this out. This is and the she had best a t-shirt, you have. Right, with the fist. And we are fight for 15. And this is just reality. We are fighting the corporations who are making lots of profits. They already rose the cost uh, like the Big Mac. I ain't getting that money. Do you just you just assume they just raise the price? Maybe the cost of beef went up because of you. Because of you, you're eating the supply. Yeah, I don't know. It's just like the girl who came out for the, the free school. It is it is they send out to to represent their cause. It Anyways, it's and, and Neil Cavuto, you know, send them all in to Neil Cavuto. Just don't send anybody you want back. So force them to pay a fifteen dollar minimum wage. What's the minimum wage, right? Then the business automates them. You punish the business. Say no, no, no. You can't automate them. 
You can't automate them, and they force companies to hire more people for effectively redundant jobs. When prices inevitably go up, businesses go under. What does big government do? Promise to subsidize more welfare programs when there's higher unemployment. Either way, they win. They don't care if businesses do well. They don't care if unemployment is all that great. They care about it during election season, but they don't enact policies yeah. that help people. This will constantly, constantly screw the middle class through this. People, you know, a great example is Amazon. Well, you want to be American? Buy American. You can buy American. You also don't have to. That's the beauty of a free market. Amazon, like if you want to buy, Hillary was uh, my wife, my wife, not the bad one. Something like some dent, dent, I think white strips. You were half the price on Amazon. Why? Because it's automated. Half of that stuff is done with computers. It comes out of one mm -hmm. central warehouse. They're sourcing, not everything is done in the United States. And guess what? You save a ton of money. Do you want to start paying double? If not, you might have to re-examine your trade policies. I'm not saying that we should be getting screwed on trade deals, but this idea that you just want to punish companies, you bring back American jobs on shore. First off, most of them suck, and what happens with Amazon, when they're able to automate, they are able to create more good jobs here in the United States. They they all they, <laughs> they outsource the crappy ones. Yep. That's, yep. How many companies do we know? The one that, the ones that can be done by people who know about three English words and and you know about five letters but if you want job stability you should just learn a job that you can't be replaced by a robot yeah maybe just get it that's why i'm around because you have yet to find a robot well, millennials that can can't push do you don't you once you think if you could you'd i mean i'd be a robot by now no, i'm saying millennials refuse to do like those jobs plumbing well, technicians carpentry the same with obamacare the same thing so now we've, buttons. Right, we've got we've done uh, uh, the the pfizer company pharmaceutical minimum wage same with obamacare okay what do you think happens you force insurance companies to accept high risk people who they weren't accepting before they're, they're playing a betting game insurance companies people put in this much we know we'll have to pay this no we're going to force you to hire high risk people okay they mandate it so what happens they also punish companies that don't pay for full-time workers for their health care and people, right? There's a mandate. You're forced to or you get punished. What happens to the insurance companies? Prices go up because they're bringing in people with diabetes and fried Oreos and Snickers bars and cancer. And then the companies lay off full-time workers and force more people to part-time work. And now Hillary Clinton is saying she might use an executive action to fix the problem with a rash of part-time employment. And you wonder why we're in debt? At every step, you screw people. Ugh. All right, Coach Mark Repto after this. We'll lighten up, then we'll come back. I'm Bernie Sanders, and I approve this message. In my travels across this country, I hear too many stories from Americans whom the system has failed. Thank you so much, Mr. Sanders, for taking my question. My story is I have been a homeowner for, <clears throat> sorry, for four years. Um, I have not made any payments for three and a half of those years. But what happened was, I talked about this with you in Iowa, um, where I, I fell in the man's penis in the street and I got pregnant and I didn't, and no one wanted to pay for it. And so then I had a child and when I was at the house, I could only, I could only pay for the house. I, I couldn't pay for the house, so I could only pay for my job. And so the problem is now the banks are going to foreclose on the house and they have someone who can actually buy the house with a 20% with a, with a down payment and, and, and they have proof of income and I don't have that. But the problem is I've been in this house for four years and they haven't been in this house for really any years. So four years is more than, is more more than no years, but I, I need you to pay for it. 
In a Bernie Sanders presidency, these Americans will be heard, and Bernie Sanders will help them. Not good enough, America! All right, glad uh, this is the first time. We don't have a lot of people who come into the studio, but you've seen him on the program before. You've heard him. Uh, well, I'm, I'm trying to think of the best thing to plug, but you know him, Coach Mark Ripito. Senor Ripito, thanks for being in. Hey, glad to be here. Now, what's the best Try site for pe- people to go to? Is it StartingStrength.com. We Start- just redesigned it. Oh, I did say you? we. Steph just redesigned the whole website. Brand new interface. Yeah. Totally modern look, very modern. Well, we've talked about it a lot for people listening. We're, we'll veer back into it because we tie things together. But um, strength coach knows a lot about that. He's been open about his politics. Caught some flack for being on the show before. Right before we were on air, you were talking about uh, you had a story about was it a tiger in Africa? No, tigers are in Asia. It was a lion. It was a lion in Africa. Well, it, it the transition was because we were talking about right. how much bigger tigers were. We we're talking about just we're in here talking, all right? And we're talking about uh, people being eaten by tigers and stuff. And I said that there was an old story, uh, famous old story about uh, lions in Africa. The Maasai build uh, fences out of thorn. Mm-hmm. And amazingly enough, thorns, I think it's acacia, it's uh, similar to the, the ubiquitous mesquite trees we have in Texas. Well, they pile these thorns up, and this, they keep the cattle in, in big, tall fences. And uh, inside at night, away from the lions. And the theory is that uh, the thorns keep the lions out. And there's the story of a... Uh, well, why do you say oh, theory? I'm guessing it didn't work. Well, it didn't work this time. Uh, uh, the story I heard was, and this is from reading it several dozen years ago, but I thought it was impressive just because these these damn things are strong. Lion jumps in the crawl, which is the the name for the for the container, jumps in the crawl, kills a heifer. It's a twelve foot fence. Jumps over the twelve foot fence, kills a heifer, grabs her by the neck and jumps out with with the heifer in its jaw. Gosh. So it's 400-pound, 500-pound heifer. And, you know, that's uh, – that's I, I mean, those of you people that have had – that have house cats have had at, at some level some interaction where the cat is pissed. <laughs> the cat is much stronger than you think the cat ought to be. Even a house cat. The house cat is – is insanely strong it's just uh it's an amazing uh it, it's it's handy that we're a lot smarter than they are because they you know right they would well they it would also gives you off. great appreciation i was talking about this in the program people if you think the biggest cat a lot of people think lions but well, then you have a nux, the next level up which is the siberian tiger in siberians back- are seven 650 but seven. you know the big difference why they would smoke lions in the um in the coliseum hmm so a lot of people don't know this. It's, you'd think it's just a size difference. No. Lions have to be on three paws, and they can paw, whereas a Siberian tiger can actually load up on his hind, hind legs and pounce. And oh, so really? they would just 
toss in several lions to warm up the tiger because a lion would come out like this, have to be on three points, and the tiger would just, boom, pounce on the thing. Well, what do you think that deal is, uh, the lion rampant uh, in, figure that, well, you've seen the Scottish national flag. The lion is up on his hind legs. I don't know. I would Arr. imagine it's not accurate. Arr. Right? You no, know? I don't know. Yeah, it's just maybe uh, I would. Maybe it's yeah, false. It's, it's a mythological Scottish concept of a, of a lion that's not true. I, I don't, don't know. know. But people say a lot of they things. They say heart of a lion in Scotland anymore. So who knows? What does heart of a lion mean? That's a term we use. Do lions have a lot of? I don't know. Do they have a heart? Do lions have a heart? They have hearts. I, have but have you I, seen a heart of a lion? How do you know? Oh, you want to hear a funny story about right. that? To give you an idea as to how little sometimes we know about science. Uh, you ever heard the t- story of the taxidermist and the lion in Sweden? No. You can Google the picture. A guy came in from Africa. This is long before, you know, planes. This is a long time ago where if someone was going from Africa to Sweden, that took days. You know, probably traveled with a troop of people. Half of them were dead by the time he got there. And he brought back this lion and said, I killed it. I, you know, went to a taxidermist. The guy had never seen it. He had the skin of a lion. And he stuffs this lion. And you can look up the picture. It looks Nothing like a lion, <laughs> and then you get this idea of people taking like you know, a... dinosaurs and telling you that they can see with through vision through movement in Jurassic Park. And you just realize how much guesswork there it's is. All just inference, right? When at that time there were lions, it looks nothing like it. So I mean, yeah, I'm not I'm not I'm not saying you should abandon science. I'm just saying that oh, it no. is incredible how many leaps sometimes we make. And if you question it, they say some, some sciences are more prone to that than others. This is true. In in all honesty. Some sciences, it is, uh, it has become quite acceptable to, uh, to uh, extrapolate. You're talking about climate in, here a little uh, bit. Well, you know, there are several examples of that in, uh, in some of the. I mean, at, 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 you know, climate science is is kind of becoming a social science, isn't it? It is. I wonder That's if they put wonder it. if they understand that. I think they do. I think the people on the side of it do who are pushing it. <coughs> I think they understand that. I think, uh, and they want to paint everyone who is skeptical at all of course it's it's become very religious and i think a lot of people have noticed that there's a little bit of overreach even people who are going okay it's getting a little here's my question with that let's assume everything is true the earth is getting warmer humans are the cause of it it'll have catastrophic results what do you believe that hillary clinton can do about it yeah yeah that's kind of a that's kind of a problem uh you know the there's just not a case to be made for either certainty with respect to anthropogenic global warming or if you know let, let's postulate that it is being caused by us what the hell are you going to do about it right i mean we elected him in 08 the sea level stopped rising right right yeah. was the sea level rising anyway well isn't do florida you know supposed to that be gone? for sure i think florida I, this, is supposed to be gone now according to the the inconvenient truth we did that we did a whole fact checking of hey let's go back with this anniversary inconvenient truth and none of them held up well i just you know uh i have a science background i'm a geologist uh my my undergraduate degree is is in geology and uh i didn't know that about you oh yeah i've got a in fact it's petroleum geology and uh uh, I would have, I, for some reason, I thought you had your degree in kinesiology. No, God, that's not a degree. Well, don't that's you require a PE degree? Don't you require your people to be <laughs> certified in your program to have a degree in kinesiology? No. Oh, okay. We prefer they don't. They don't. <laughs> all the all the people with exercise science degrees that come to our seminar, we have to teach them exercise science because they don't know anything when they get there. I'd much rather them uh, 
have a hard science background, a biology degree or physics or right. math or chemistry or something like that because they're they know how to think more clearly right. than uh, the PE majors that that sometimes wander in. Uh, well, much biology is sexist now. That that's they're going to turn that into a social science, right? They haven't already. Well, that's what I'm saying. That's they're trying they're to turn everything into a social science. But my, my, my the point I'd like to make is that here you have a bunch of people with bachelor's degrees in English telling us that one party or another is uh, anti-science. Right. Uh, you're, By the way. Why is, it, why is it that all intellectuals have English degrees? It's a good question. What's the deal on that? How come chemistry majors or gender don't studies. get to be don't get to be intellectuals? How come gender studies people can be intellectuals and a physics major can't be an intellectual? Because, of course, he's just a math nerd. Well, I I even take it one step further. How come the guy who was a plumber? Okay. Oh, sorry. How come the guy who was a plumber who started a business and is making a six figure income who filled the void where there was a necessary job? Right. Um, why don't we consider that person an intellectual? This guy knows intricacies that we sure. couldn't even begin to understand. He knows how to solve problems. Certain problems. I mean, yeah, he, he's he's good at analysis. I've learned in my life. Execution. I met a mechanic thing. who looked like the redneck on The Simpsons. The, Where'd you get another tooth? Sidewalk, that right. guy. Right. And he was brilliant. He was a mechanic. And he was a mechanic who would come to your house and fix your car he's at your a house. Mechanic with an engineer's mind. Yeah, I have no I idea what his certification like was. But think about that he, for he a business. May not, he, why does he need a certification? Oh, exactly. His certification is that he can fix what's wrong. Right. Right? He can he can fix problems. I had a good friend that's a welder in North Texas. A couple of guys that are like this. But the guy I'm thinking of is, uh, he is a, yeah, he's a welder. But Jim is the designer. Mm-hmm. He's a design engineer. And... Uh, old country guy but when he builds things they work yeah he designs things he because he knows the physics he doesn't know the terms he doesn't actually know that he knows the physics well jared but not, he knows the physics not gay jared and i were talking about this if we had to not gay jared right we could probably your, your famous line we could probably build a house i wouldn't trust the second floor <laughs> he wouldn't go but i wouldn't go on the second floor i wouldn't get under the second floor. <laughs> no no I, nobody I would. don't want to be underneath well exactly such you know, a structure and it's, i'm not saying that someone that can't study uh, you know whether it's a kinesiology or be a gender studies major and also be an intellectual but like you said we're not the ones making that argument we're not the ones right. placing a barrier to entry the regressive left is so i wanted to go back to you know it's funny you mentioned anti-science I don't know if it's a law. Is there anything more settled science as far as observable hard science than human DNA? But the people who accuse the anti-authoritarian right of being anti-science believe that that penis and your DNA is a figment of your imagination. (laughs) Well, I think you're confusing morphology with genetics there. It's just, you know, you you have a penis penis because of... Because of genetics. If you'd like to say penis again, go ahead. Well, I'll find another name for it later. Well, no, we can't do that because this is a family show. Well, you can say say tallywhacker. Tallywhacker. That's that's what I was raised to call it. Is that what you called it? That's what my mother told me to call it. That's your tallywhacker. Your tallywhacker. My dad had a bunch of them. Schlong, schlucker, schmeckle. No, nah, we that was, those are all Jewish terms. We really we're North Texas. Purple helmet warrior. We don't have any. <laughs> we don't. 
We don't have <laughs> Jewish people in <laughs> North Texas. Uh, well, I don't know. I don't well, know it's not that. that we don't allow them there. We just well, who controls they, your economy just, with their don't. secret gold? <laughs> I tell you what, I got it's so many anti-Semitic are, comments there no, recently. There are no Jewish masterminds in North Texas, <laughs> and somehow the thing functions. I don't, I don't know how it I don't works. understand it. Without that aspect of the conspiracy, what do you do? I don't know. There is an uprising. How come that, Jewish people only control New York and Los Angeles? I don't know. What the hell? There's a big giant area in there in the middle. Right. Ripe for the taking. I for think these that, geniuses. I think that it's some kind of, with the Earth's force and the pact that they've made with said spiritual forces at work, for some reason it's null and void in flyover country. I don't know. You'd have to, you'd have I, to go ask the conspiracy theorists' I, websites. I don't know. Speaking of which... Did you? We just watched that. You saw that the the Roger Stone, former uh, Trump campaign. Yeah, worker. I saw you played that for me. What an interesting, what an interesting thing to have recorded on video. <laughs> that they were. Go- well, we just talked <laughs> about it. What is wrong with these guys? Release the hotel rooms and encouraging people to. At what point does that become a criminal liability? Well, uh, at the point where these lunatics drag somebody out into the hall and beat them to death <laughs> because you told them the room number. Right, but the have you ever noticed that when you check into a hotel, the room, the the desk clerk will not even say three o nine out loud. Here's your room, sir, and they write it and hand it to you. Yet this idiot is going to give the room numbers, right, of all of these delegates. Well, the out, other, which begs uh, the question: What kind well, of criminal activity does he have to do to procure said room numbers? Well, that's an excellent question. By you the can't way, beat it out of the desk clerk. Well, you I know? don't know. Maybe they can, but. Uh, uh, by the way, we have to go to a break soon. For those who are looking, if not Gay Jared is in Cleveland, his uh, roommate, it's always under Holly Golightly. He is very, <laughs> Holly Golightly. very easy to find. It'll be room number 69. Okay, come on. This is a nice program. Lighter <laughs> with Crowder, Coach Mark Ripito will be back. pre-scheduled season premiere of Family Matters Millennial Edition. Carl Winslow, back in the force. Black Lives Matter! Black Lives Matter! Hey, should I burn down this flag? Yeah, take a shit on it! Yeah, no, that's that's real! Oh, careful, it's Officer Winslow! Three, two, one. One, two, three. What the heck? He's bothering Man, me. Winslow's crazy. Okay, let, let's all fist on the flag. Everybody got an idea. Everyone ready? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, okay. Three, two, one. One, two, three. What the heck is bothering me? Yeah, you're really making your voices hurt. That flag doesn't stand a chance. Yeah, this is going to help the car. Woo, Black Lives Matter. Yeah, yeah. Three, two, one. One, two, three. You race-baiting jackasses are bothering me! Oh my god!
We are back. They were asking questions. That Holly Golightly was breakfast at Tiffany. Breakfast at Tiffany's. And uh, so anyways, I thought, by the way, could you believe that character, Mickey Rooney, in Breakfast at Tiffany's? Do you think they get away with that today? I, uh, <clears throat> uh, it's been a while since I've seen that movie. Oh, full-on Japanese buck teeth. Oh, I, Miss Harry <laughs> Mickey Rooney. I, it's been a while since I've seen that. But i tell you what I did see is all of the Popeye cartoons. When I was growing up, the Popeye cartoons that were made in the 40s were all anti-war propaganda. You, you haven't probably seen those. I don't know that they're even available on YouTube now. But all the Japanese people were drawing the glasses like that thick and buck teeth and everything. It was, yeah. yeah, it's so. Oh, yeah. What is that? Quite I've never met a buck tooth Japanese person I, either. I don't know. I haven't either. I, I've I, never I, seen it before. I don't know why that stereotype became popular. Right. Not that it would excuse it, but usually you go like, oh, okay, I can see where they got that. Yeah, usually a stereotype has some basis in reality in terms of pattern recognition. That's why it's a stereotype. Right. Right? Yeah, but buck you know? teeth, I don't but think I've, I don't think I, I've ever met an Asian who was buck toothed. I haven't either. I don't know where that came from. It's a very good question. Uh, we would have to actually ask... Uh, Oh, well, we'll toss it to Twitter. Tweet me at S. Who's Crowder. the Popeye company? I don't know. Somebody will know that. It's, yeah. The Popeye, uh, people who made? People who Did made you eat a lot of spinach because of Popeye when you were a kid? Were yeah. You, were you easily influenced by that? Yeah. Did you get any stronger? No. Little known fact, I'm pretty no. sure Popeye had something wrong with him. That's not a natural physique with the forearms. Popeye had some highly atrophied biceps, didn't he? <laughs> yes, he did. Some atrophied ass biceps and some... Great big old gigantic ass forearm. I think it was more anchors. <laughs> I think right. it was cancerous inflammation, if anything, of the form. That's not a Could natural, uh, not natural body type. Okay, well, we, were we were talking about something before that I, I was trying to get back to. Okay, so if you're in Cleveland, this guy reveals your hotel number. You're a delegate. By the way, for people who don't know, there you probably know someone who is a delegate or has been a delegate can become a delegate. There's this idea, right, that it's just some random guy in Washington D.C. Mm -hmm. Delegates are often chosen by their neighbors. You yeah. know, they're just a representative. I know a guy that, in fact, he was a plumber. Uh, we we're talking earlier about plumbers. Guys, a plumber that was a delegate to the 2012 Republican convention in Texas. Okay, this is an interesting story, and. Uh, 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 it, it, it's interesting in that it makes me wonder exactly how they got rid of Jeb, what happened to Jeb. He went down to the 2012. He was went through the caucus process, the county caucuses and everything, was nominated as a delegate to the Republican convention in Texas in 2012. And as a result of this thing, he was uh, going to go down there and vote for Ron Paul. Right. All right. He and a bunch of his buddies had all the By the way, little known fact for people who don't know, Mitt Romney won some states and Ron Paul won more delegates. Same with Texas and Obama and Hillary. I think it was Hillary won Texas, Obama got the delegates, or the other way around. But it's not uncommon for someone to win a state and not win the most delegates. Well, and, and let, me, let me finish this story yeah, and go you'll, you'll go, well, that's interesting. So they go down there and they get into the convention. And uh, the... Uh, the managers of the convention, I don't know what they call them, stewards or whatever, come around, and they're going to poll the delegates to see who's going to vote for who. Right. So that they can kind of plan on what's going on. So a uh, group of the Ron Paul people are all hanging around together, and they come over and said, uh, said who, who are you guys planning on voting for, uh, for the nominee? And they, they said, Ron Paul. And they said, no, you're not. 
And he said, what do you mean? No, I'm not. He said, you're you're not going to vote for Ron Wait, Paul. Wait, who, who was telling your friend this? The, the steward. Okay, so your friend is a delegate, so the steward My is telling you. My friend's a delegate, the, okay. the representatives of the RNC in Texas. Right. <clears throat> uh, said, no, you're not going to vote for Ron Paul. And he said, well, that's what we're here to vote for. And... Uh, was this during a they, primary? This though? is during the. This is the preliminary events at the at the Republican caucus in Texas in 2012, and uh, and I may be getting some of the details wrong. Well, because and, at you that know, point, wouldn't we, they be bound if Romney had won their district, uh, or Santorum or whoever it was at I, that point? I don't. Or I, that's a that's a good question. I don't know if uh, if the delegates have the ability. And then, you know, there's some talk about this now. The delegates are essentially functioning autonomously at some level. Right. Right. So and that's, by, that's by design, whether you like it or right. not. That's designed so that someone doesn't just go, hey, we want Rick because he, he just killed a guy who we didn't like. We want to make him president. So you have people who are semi-responsible saying, well, hold on a second. Rick can't be president. Right. There's a reason for it. Right. Well, at, at any rate, what they did was they they took another approach to the problem. They revoked all those people's credentials. As delegates? Yes. And they just assigned someone else? They just re- threw them out of the building. Well. They revoked their credentials. So, no, you're not going to vote for Ron Paul. Yeah. So That's one way to do yeah, it. Yeah, it's their party. Well, and but, I guess but Ron Paul they may be about to show us that again, huh? What? That it's their party. Yeah. And they get to do with it what they want to. They've already shown Bernie how that works. Well, with the superdelegates, yeah. with the Democrats. That's what, I'm, that's what I'm talking about. There are ways around. Right. You know, but if no one has that magic number going thing, into convention, you know, this democracy thing's kind of inconvenient sometimes. Well, but it, and we're just like, hey, we're not going to put up with it. Well, okay, hold on one second. You're not talking about going to someone's hotel room and blowing no, it away like no, Roger we're Stone. not. We're not talking about. <laughs> but if if, <laughs> if Donald Trump doesn't have that number going into convention, <laughs> do you think it's unfair at that point to have another ballot where they put him head to head with with Cruz? Say, okay, get rid of everyone else, put him in a head to head, see who wins. Or just give it to Trump because he has the most. I see no other way to no no. Their rules require twelve thirty seven. I see no other way than to let the the affair play itself out. Now, if if twelve thirty seven isn't accomplished on the second ballot, mm-hmm. uh, and then they they trot out they trot out Paul Ryan, careful someone show. who's never been voted for for president before, right? And he becomes a nominee. Boys and girls, there are going to be problems. There are going to be problems. It wouldn't be the first time that's happened, though. I think it would be the first time for a lot of people in their lifetimes that it's happened. But, Jared, how how long are we going on the break here? Oh, all right. Okay. Um, Anyway, we're going to go back in 30 seconds. So I don't know. We want to do a web extended version? I don't know. We have a bunch of guests coming on. Coach Ripto, startingstrength.com. Thanks for being here. Thanks for having us. Louder with Crowder. Stay tuned. Bye now.
Thank you so much, Mr. Sanders. I, I love what you do so much. I was, I was walking to my friend's house, and I fell on the sidewalk, and there was this guy there, and I accidentally fell on this guy, and his, his penis went inside of me, and so I got pregnant, and then this mean Republican in my state wouldn't let me get a late-term abortion, and so now I'm, I'm pregnant, and I need you to pay for it. In a Bernie Sanders presidency, these Americans will be heard, and Bernie Sanders will help them. Not good enough, America! Okay, business time. Really simple. Some of you don't know where to find me. Louderwithcrowder.com. Half a dozen to ten articles every single day. Twitter. Follow me at S. Crowder. Louder with Crowder podcast on iTunes, SoundCloud, or any other podcatching device, youtube.com slash Stephen Crowder, or you can type in Stephen Crowder on Facebook and be one of the million-plus fans or join the mailing list. There are so many ways for you to stay connected. You have no excuse. You have no excuse, just like you have no excuse for those roles that are just cascading over your belt buckle. You should be ashamed. Unless you're a lady. Then you deserve a Get her a medal. You're getting louder with Crowder. But you're a strange animal. I got to follow. Oh, I'm in the speedy to That means we're in the second hour. Producing with me in studio, as always, is Jared, who is not gay. Follow him at NotGayJared. I fulfill my legal obligations. Draw your own conclusions. Glad to be back. We're back. Glad to be back. We Glad will have Gadsad, evolutionary biologist, at the bottom of the hour. So uh, I know we do we do do an entertainment show, but I think this guy might get a little a little bit smart on us. So give him some room to uh, to expand upon his points. He is from Montreal, as I am, so we're excited to have him on. And uh, you can tweet us at s crowder, of course. If you're listening live or if you're listening to the archives, you can just come on and tweet me and, and uh, tell me that you hate me, that I'm a disappointment. So we are going to go straight to this week in social justice warrior leftism. A few crazy stories. Crazy, by the way. Remember when we did that video at U of M last year, and they wanted to consider crazy a microaggression? Yeah. A hate yeah. word? Well, that's that's uh, that actually has a lot of momentum behind it now. Because think of how often you hear some of these stories, as we'll tell you about, and you say, that's crazy. They don't want you to say that. So, again, it's a way to stop you from replying before uh, it happens. Also, it's a way to cover up crazy. The first thing someone does when they're crazy is tell you they're not crazy. Also, by the way, if someone ever tells you that they're the best at something, nine times out of ten, they're the best at nothing. I've well, learned that. You picked up on me, huh? <laughs> you're you're a quick one, you. You've never said you're the one. best at anything. No, I have not. You, no, I don't, you don't have that kind of confidence. But there are some stories here this week that My many people... from me early. Let's not get into that on back there. Back that. Again, the legal, it gets into some territory where I don't even know if we can still be a family show. These stories, we've covered them at louderwithcredit.com, and people think we're, we're making it up or they think it's satire. So I want to start with one that the left believes to be reasonable, and then another one that someone on the left believed to be unreasonable. I just don't th- I think either you're all in or you're not all in. Uh, do we have that first clip ready? Okay, so here's a clip that went online. I think it was at BuzzFeed. Everyone was talking about how beautiful it is. It's a feminist who is married to a man telling her daughter that her husband, the girl's daddy, is now... A woman, and you're supposed to feel good about this. Let's roll the clip. That is a Sheba? Yeah, what, how does that make you feel? Oh, 
good. It does make you feel good? Yeah, I wanna um be like a boy. You wanna be like a boy? You can Well, I actually really feel happy as a girl and I'm gonna stay like a girl. Oh, well that's nice. But daddy doesn't feel happy as a boy. So um we have decided to help daddy become the person that his brain and his heart tell him that he really is so instead no. of yes exactly no not exactly so when mommy and daddy went on that date on saturday we went and got some new clothes and um we got like all new girl clothes and we got daddy some makeup Okay, I want to get to the point. And where... now Daddy's gonna wear oh, some makeup and wear girls' clothes and grow maybe grow Daddy's hair out. Ugh. So what? Look do you at think this girl's face. She has no. Are you okay with it? Yeah. You know that Daddy's still gonna be the same person. And no, still he's gonna be your Daddy. Forever? Daddy's still going to be mentally ill. Do you know that? What do you think of Daddy's new name? You like it? Yeah. This girl knows the camera Can is on her. Can you look at the camera and tell? Daddy, Mallory, what you think? This is happening. It feels good! Can you tell him, tell her how much you love her? Daddy is a her? Daddy Still is a Still not her. getting it. The most Daddy, basic... I love you so much. Even though you're a her, I still love you. Aww. What? This is... That was so let's, sweet. Let's watch that video. Okay, okay that's just... Daddy. This is the worst. First off, people think, you know, you build up these... This is literally the blue-haired, pierced... Spacers in the ear feminists we make fun of. This is the woman that Milo checks under his bed for every night. <laughs> this, is the, this is the woman who chases Paul Joseph Watson in his nightmares. Just this face. It's borderline child abuse. First off, I hate the gimmick of using children. And I love uh, what I do love about this, and this is something that people miss, is the response from the child directly correlates to the emotional maturity of the father and the mother. Oh, Daddy feels like a girl. Huh? How do you feel about that? I feel good. Well, now you're making life decisions with the exact same moral compass as daddy. That's all that's required. It feels good? Yeah. Why do you feel about rape? Depends how it feels. How do you feel about genital mutilation? Depends how it feels. We're just going to put you under some anesthetic. Sounds like a party. This is so far off the beam at this point. And people want to, people are, well, they want to act as though this is beautiful. And if you speak out against it, this is hate speech, of course. This is child abuse. This girl then goes on to say she wants to be a boy. And the mom's like, well, you know, we'll consider that. Okay, first off, this woman's a lesbian. Okay, this woman is not attracted to men. Let's just be honest. This woman is as, as sick as this guy. Okay, there's some kind of an arrangement. It's like Bill and Hillary. They're sleeping in separate beds, and he has an intern in his, and she has uh, uh, Oprah's best friend in hers. This is what's going on here, okay? What's her name? Not Stedman, then Oprah's friend's name. Oh, I don't know. I don't know but you know what's name. happening. You know exactly what I'm talking about. Oh, yeah. So this is just sickness all around, and Real we're not supposed weird to. Stuff. Now, this is why this is important, because it brings us to another story. Because leftists go, well, this is beautiful. And then this other story occurred at Daily Mail, and they don't know how they feel about this. Let me set this up for you. This is someone who calls themselves Dragon Lady. Tiamat Medusa from Maricopa County, Arizona, has removed his ears and nose, and had surgical procedures to become a dragon. Born a man, too. So also a tranny, but a, a dragon tranny. Dragon, dragon tails. Okay, let's bring this clip up. Well, Zed, uh, I am Eva Medusa, and uh, to many people who um, uh, got to know me from years ago, um, I am also known as No Man Pan. Uh, no Man Pan is my prior life. No one knows uh, you as that. 
you, you, you mentioned about my metamorphosis project. Uh, just quickly, uh, my metamorphosis project is uh, is basically my transitioning from the no man pen, the man that I was, to the Eva that I am now today. Um, I am uh, a father of, of a, a, a great uh, teenage kid. Um, he's a sophomore in high school and has oh, a double okay, black okay, belt. I can't, I can't, I can't, I can't, I can't. I just threw up a little bit. If you're listening terrestrially, you should really see the video stream to believe uh, what it is. That Worse? How could they get any worse? Take a look around you, Ellen. We're at the threshold of hell. And this is the guard at hell. This is exactly how I pictured it. <laughs> so you watch this and you go, that's absurd, right? Someone's trying to turn themselves into a mythical figure. That's impossible. You know what else is impossible? A man turning himself into a woman. It's not scientifically, it's not physically possible to do. Nobody has a sex change operation that works. Your body tries to fix it as a wound. It's a very harm. Most people don't get it because of that reason. They toss on a dress and we all have to act like they're a girl. Otherwise, it's hate speech. So I was sitting there and I forced me to do some soul searching. Crazy thing is I found some dragon ladies in my soul. <laughs> so I think there's I think we need to call a priest. This is a guy, by the way. This was Richard Hernandez, who then turned into a woman which would be the first time maybe something mentally wasn't healthy and now is a dragon. So the left is trying to say, well, it's perfectly fine for this man to turn into a woman, but going into a dragon, we're not sure if we want to accept that as normal. Okay, cut off his ears and nose to become a dragon. We have the image. Jared can bring up my screen here. You can see it. Cut off the ears and nose to become a dragon, this person. Seems absurd. No more absurd than cutting off your tallywhacker. You chop off your one-eyed bald man, all of a sudden getting some exaggerated cauliflower wrestler's ear doesn't seem like that big of a deal. Putting some knobs in your forehead and calling them horns doesn't seem that big of a deal. Once you cut off your penis and create a wound that you have to repeatedly open, otherwise your body closes it, and you're pumping your body full of hormones that no doubt will put you in a shallow cancerous grave. In that grave in the name of love, however, because we wouldn't want to be intolerant. What happened when we were talking about organic food and xenoestrogens and BPAs? These people are going to walk around with their steel tumblers and their Nalgene bottles. Why? Well, we want to avoid the contaminations, the BPAs. Well, why? Because it acts like estrogen in the body, and that's cancerous. What about when you eject that estrogen directly into your balls? No, no, that's cool. The science isn't in yet. How do you feel about Dragon Lady? Who? The guy who's a, oh, the Dragon Dude. No, but he wants to be a lady now. Well, I'm, I'm cool with the lady part, okay? I'm not hateful. I'm not sure how I feel about the Dragon part. Are we sure that's not possible? I think we're quite sure that's not possible. Are you sure that's not possible? Yes. I'm quite confident that turning a man into a dragon is not humanly possible. This isn't Game of Thrones. I'm also quite confident that turning a man, Richard Hernandez, into a woman is not possible. By quite certain, I mean 100%. Who's the, who are the science deniers, by the way? This is Leonardo DiCaprio and leftists come out, Republicans are anti-science. Is there any more settled science than human DNA? I don't think so. I think it's pretty, uh, pretty much in, verdict's in. That's the great thing about you know, your penis, as a young boy, you have your own veritable Petri dish. It's, you're a walking experiment. And every boy has tested multiple hypotheses <laughs> through their teenage years. It is testable, verifiable science. Am I a boy? Okay, well, here's a list of tests that you can do. It's really just two, but you can do them in a multitude of ways. Put your own signature on it. Here you go. Draw your own conclusions. <laughs> Draw your own conclusions. We're pretty sure you're a boy.
the reason I wanted to include these two together is, again, you can't say, you can't start off with men and women are fundamentally interchangeable, which is required for same-sex marriage, which is required for this trans, LGBTQ, AAIP, real acronym movement, and then all of a sudden say, well, listen, we, we don't know how we feel about the dragon situation. Do we need to create dragon bathrooms, by the way? That is a great question. Again, back to the cancer, you'd have to bring asbestos back. We can't have people just breathing fire in public bathrooms. It's true, especially if you're, it's a hay bathroom, which I think that's what dragons go on. It's just kind of like pallets of, of, of hay. That's one, highly flammable. One can make the case that it's a safety hazard. I would argue one can make a relatively firm case. Um, but it's just opinion. Stay tuned. Episode 464 of the Game of Thrones fandom podcast. So you did you, you see Game of Thrones this week where they had all the boobs and the butts in it? Yeah, and I also watched Star Wars. We're talking about Game of Thrones, Eugene. There's no boobs or butts in Star Wars, you hack. We'll be back next time with episode 542 of the Game of Thrones fandom podcast. Hey, if you're listening to or watching this podcast, there's a strong chance that you are not yet following me on Twitter, at S. Crowder, where I'm tweeting all day long. I'm ticking off the social justice warriors. You should see the amount of hate I get on there. Far, far, far worse than any fat sports illustrated model or Black Lives Matter charlatan. So listen, it's free. You get to be entertained and you can chime in. Also, if you're following me on Twitter, you can send me your tweets and maybe you'll be lucky enough. And I mean lucky enough because I have a lot of followers, okay, that they call me the follower machine to have your tweet to me or not gay Jared included in our rockinest tweet of the week. So follow me on Twitter at S Crowder. If not, I don't want to say I have sights on your mother, but... Oh, she's dead? You're just saying that because I made a mom joke. No, she's really dead? Well, you kind of walked into it. Glad to be back. Coming up at the bottom of the arms, we have Gad Sad, evolutionary biologist. He'll class up the show because it's taken a weird turn. This whole program has taken a weird yeah, turn. Yeah, it's taken a very bizarre. Anytime you introduce trannies, though, it's it's Can't bound use, to do that. That's a hate word. Transgender. Yeah, well, well, it's certainly a different Google search. It, well, trannies yes, versus you want transgender. You to be careful. I know that you've had to be make careful. that search multiple times. By the way, if you hear this crumpling. For work. For work. If you hear this crumpling, uh, I don't know what happened. Four hours ago, my throat just closed shut, just got swollen, and I just, I, I, I think I have a fever. I don't know what happened. I well, you said Bernie this. Sanders did that to you. It might have been. You know, we did the video with Bernie Sanders, and it's pretty tough on the vocal cords, but I have no idea what happened. So if, if I seem a little out of sorts, but if anything, I probably seem more on my, I probably seem more normal. I probably seem more on point. That's true. So I don't know. 
maybe I need to inject myself with a virus every single week just so I can be more professional and on equal terms with my AM talk radio brethren. We can swap blood. I got a surprise for you. Well, I wanted to let you know, um, you might have a lawsuit pending for the last time you gave blood. I know you wanted to do the right thing. They told me it was the right thing. <sighs> no, you did. You, you lied on your questionnaire. Uh, I need to get going. We need to bring back Chad with AIDS sometime to talk about this soon. We need to bring him back. A lot of people didn't think he was really... That's the thing. If ever you have a gay guy who talks out or who speaks just against the regressive left, people say he's not gay. Funny, there are more people with conspiracies that I'm gay and Milo's not than just accepting things how they are. Speaking of which, I want to play this video for you. This happened this week. It was trending all over. Uh, Governor Rick Scott of Florida. Listen, I'm, I'm not necessarily a huge fan of Rick Scott, Okay. This is not an endorsement of Rick Scott. Because I mentioned somebody, doesn't mean that I love the person, and I do think the guy looks like Skeletor. We all know that. This woman was yelling at him in a Starbucks in Florida, and everyone praised this woman as a hero. So I want you to hear for yourself, and then we'll come back, and um, I think you can guess my own opinion. Jared, do you have the, uh, the clip? Let's roll it, baby. You cut Medicaid so I couldn't get Obamacare. You're an asshole. You don't care about A million jobs? Great. Who here has a great job? Probably everyone working in the Starbucks. School, you really feel like you have a job coming up? You stripped women of access to public health care. Shame on you, Rick Scott. We depend on those services. Rich people like you don't know what to do. When poor people like us need health services, you cut them. Shame on you, Rick Scott. You're an embarrassment to our state. All right. This is just so emblematic of the left, of feeling the need. First off, no one has jobs here, and nobody backs her. She's looking around expecting them to back her up. Let me tell you something, screaming, crazy, cackling hag. Here's why people haven't backed you up. First off, you insulted all of them because you're horrend a horrendous witch on wheels. Okay, nobody, nobody likes you because you're not a nice person. They told the people, shut up, I'm not talking to you. Second, they're not backing you up because they're working. <laughs> Does anybody here have jobs? As she says it, you're watching someone's pouring coffee, job, someone's grinding coffee, job, someone's taking your order, job, and you are sitting there. I'm guessing that Lenovo uh, MacBook, not Mac, Lenovo, people are going to get mad. That Lenovo, I haven't used laptop. I haven't used the word laptop in forever. No, for, He's like MacBook, iPad. I bet you that Lenovo, I can't say it again, laptop. Laptop. I'm a retard. I just. I am dead inside. I don't know what is happening to my mouth. Blame it on the fever. I'm betting it's not homemade. You are sitting in a Starbucks on a custom laptop, bitching about how nobody has jobs, surrounded by people who are working. Maybe it's just you. Also, if you don't have a job, if you're poor, probably not your best idea to be spending eight times the amount on coffee if you made it at home. I'm not... The wealthiest 0.1%. I do okay. Jared's employed. Good for us. I don't go to Starbucks every day. I almost never go to Starbucks. I don't like Starbucks. I don't begrudge people who go to Starbucks. This lady, yes. But that's because I judge people as individuals. And she is Satan. So, the funny thing is, is we have all these tweets of people, Oh, she's such a hero. More Americans need to do this. Really? More Americans need to do this? How about you write your representative? How about you vote? 
How about you release a video? Maybe you make a phone call. How about when someone is going in to get a cup of coffee, you don't yell profanities in a family establishment that are based in nothing more than your own delusions. Also, let's avoid being a bitch. That would be something I would recommend you start with. You know, because you catch more bees with non-bitch honey. The recipe isn't complicated. No, it's what's raw honey. Well, it is. Also, it would be good for your throat right now. It would be good for my throat right now. I need to get some, some honey to smooth my throat over. Man, could you imagine if I had to do an impression of this woman? Ugh. This woman can't. Is, if this woman is married, I bet you it's like that guy with the blue-haired feminist who wants to become a, a, a tranny. It's one of those situations where it's like, uh, yeah, I'll marry you. Just make sure I have my alone time. Well, we know that she's not, they're not getting married for the money. Because she apparently, you know. Doesn't work. Doesn't work. Everyone complains about how they don't work. My favorite line was, was <laughs> oh, I don't, we, don't have, we don't have good jobs. Oh, you should. You seem like very, you seem very nice. You seem like a very nice lady. <laughs> As he smiles and yeah. walks out the door. Like, listen, you know what? Maybe, I don't know if you put cackling, angry shrew on your job application. Generally speaking, they, they weed you out before it gets to the, the, the callback. Everyone, everyone wants to act as though, and, and I, everyone has done this, right, at a certain point, where you don't want to acknowledge that it's your fault. People make excuses. And George St. Pierre talked about this. A champion, at some point, the difference between a champion, the difference between somebody who succeeds and who doesn't, is they have to look themselves in the mirror at some point, honestly, and say, okay, did I do something wrong? What did I do wrong? How can I fix it? What you can control, you address. You know that a woman like this, who people are praising as a hero, she doesn't have a job because of Rick Scott. She can't afford uh, abortions because of Rick Scott or because of probably Marco Rubio, right? It's somebody else's fault. Somebody else should pay for her birth control, despite the fact that you can get a 25-cent rubber at a truck stop. I know she's probably allergic to latex. All of a sudden, every person who follows Sandra Fluke is allergic to latex. Everything is somebody else's fault. And if, it's, if, it's, if I'm sounding like a broken record, that is the biggest problem. And you see it on the right as well as on the left. Listen, you lost a primary. That's your fault. You don't have a job. Maybe that's your fault. Speaking of which, scientist after the break. Gad Sad, stay tuned. Thank you very much, Mr. Sanders. I really, I think what you're doing is an inspiration to America. And this may surprise some people, but I am in fact uh, black. I was, I was born Sean King to a, um, well, I don't know my father, but I do know that I, I, I identify as black. And I was at one point making a, a, a lot of money for being black and raising money for black causes. And when it was alleged that I was not black and I, I, I didn't have, I refused to refute the claims because I don't feel that I should have to um, justify my, my race. So I, all I, I threw my mom under the bus. I called her a whore. I said she could have slept with any black man and that's who my father likely was. But I was charged with fraud 
um, for raising money for being black and getting a scholarship. And the, the problem is, I don't. I, the money's gone. I don't have the money anymore, and people are asking for their money back. And I need. I need you to pay for it. In a Bernie Sanders presidency, these Americans will be heard, and Bernie Sanders will help them. Not good enough, America. All right, glad to bring on our next guest. So it, it happened on Twitter organically. Some people were calling for this to happen. He's he's um, we're swinging above our batting average bringing this guy here. He's a scholar. You can watch his YouTube channel. I highly recommend it. Uh, Gad Sad, so that's G-A-D-S-A-A-D. Before the break, Senor Sad was actually uh, coaching me on how to say it with the, the proper Middle Eastern way. H- how do I do that, sir? Gad Sad. Gad Sad. Kind of. It's <laughs> there you go. Pretty good, pretty good. I figure if we embarrass me right off the bat, it puts us on an even playing field where um, it puts me below. So you're from, from Montreal. We were talking about that. I always hear this this accent. It's, you know, Greek, Lebanese a lot, too, where I went to Centennial on the South Shore. There's always Don't that sound. It. Yes, there, there is a unique sound, sound to uh, the Montreal accent, but uh, maybe it's also mixed with the fact that I'm originally from Lebanon, ah. uh, grew up. Grew up in Lebanon and came to Montreal when I was 11. I don't know if there is any remnant of an accent there. Uh, so, and plus, of course, I speak French and Hebrew. So, it's a, I'm really the United Nation linguistically. Yes, you are. Um, uh, speaking of which, we can we can get to the United Nations right off the bat. But yeah, Montreal is funny. We had a lot of Lebanese there at, at Centennial. A lot of uh, Middle Eastern people. We had very very mixed. Is Amir still a franchise there in Montreal? Uh, Amir, yes, they are. Yes, yes. Oh, okay. Amir, yes. Yeah, when I tell people, like, yeah, it was like a McDonald's of Lebanese restaurants. You had them everywhere. They were like, what? Really? <laughs> I was like, yeah, it's very common, right. very diverse. So you, sir, you teach at Concordia University yes. in Montreal. You have degrees from McGill. One thing that fascinated me, so right off the bat, people were going, you have to go on, uh, have Gad said on your show. I said, sure. And then all these comments saying, oh my gosh, why would you do a show? This is going to be nuclear. And when I looked at your videos, I didn't see a whole lot that I disagreed with. Um, Certainly not anything that I thought was unreasonable. Why do you think that was the reaction? Am I missing something? I think, you know, people use these fast and frugal strategies when they're thinking, and it's easy to label people. So it's, it's, it's harder to try to worry about what Steven Crowder really thinks. Let's just call him sort of a right-wing neocon Nazi, and then we can move on. <laughs> But it's true, right? I mean, that's how people operate, right? I mean, that's how stereotypes are made. That's how racism is created. Right. It just it allows for people to generalize and simplify the world. So why engage with Stephen's idea? Just label him as somebody that you shouldn't be talking to and move on. What's funny, though, is, I mean, well, now, obviously, I get, I get the Nazi references and then the anti-Semitic stuff. So I get both well, sides. It was a lot of fun. Yeah, a lot of fun. Get both sides oh. of that coin. But oh, um, so you, you get that you're anti-Semitic? No, I get anti-Semitic. People think I'm Jewish. So oh, all see. the time, I like actual Nazi propaganda. And I, I mean, I, we were talking about this with Ben Shapiro. I was like, we, it, you know, it's, it's kind of funny to me because I'm used to it. But like with Ben Shapiro, I'm like, gosh, that's going to be tough if you're actually Jewish getting that stuff. Um, <laughs> so people need to make up their mind. But you're from Montreal. So yep. I am right wing. Uh, it didn't exist in Montreal. And there are liberals and liberal separatists really when I was there. And 
uh, you, you've done actually a lot of research regarding sort of political correctness and the social justice warrior left. How would you describe yourself? Would you say probably left uh, in, I guess, fiscally and more right socially? Uh, you know, first of all, I'll say, I know it's going to sound strange you... to say this, but I despise labels. I take each issue and then I take a position on that particular issue. So I would consider myself probably libertarian. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, when it comes to social issues, I'm very liberal. When it comes to issues uh, such as perhaps, say, immigration, some might think I'm a bit more conservative. Mm -hmm. and, and so it really depends. For example, I'm for the death penalty. I think that it is not true that under all circumstances to kill somebody is immoral and barbaric. Uh, you know, if you've raped and uh, sodomized and killed uh, 20 children, then maybe you lose your right to live. So so I'm really all over the place. It's right. I really ch judge each each issue uh, on its I don't own think merits. that's all over the place, though. I don't think that's all, all over the place. And, you know, I, we have this sort of, what is that little quadrant graph now that's really famous? It's so incredibly biased to the left. You know, the questions oh, are, yeah, yeah, yeah. like, do you believe that corporations should only operate in the interest of the shareholders? In and phrase and absolutes. And I was like, that's not yeah. true. So everyone's to the left. Right. It just gives people kind of an idea, especially America, you know, the United States, Montreal. There's, it's a whole different world, and a lot of people aren't necessarily aware. But you, you've done some research. You've talked a lot about sort of political correctness, the, this rise of the social justice left. Um, now, obviously, I haven't read all of it, but w w what is it that has captured your, your, your attention with this so much as someone right. from Montreal? So so just to kind of a slight correction, I mean, my main area of research is in applying biology and evolutionary psychology to sure. study human behavior. Uh, the way I got into the whole political correctness issue is not so much, if you like, through my research, but rather as a public intellectual, one of the self-imposed mandates that I've that I've that I sort of pursue is I tackle bad ideas wherever I find them. Right. So mm -hmm. if I think, for example, radical feminists espouse some stupidity then I feel compelled to tackle it. If I think that postmodernism is a bunch of gibberish nonsense, then I will tackle it. So in a sense, I like to consider myself as a slayer of bad ideas. And so I use science, I use reason, I use logic to tackle all bad Hold ideas. On a uh, which... Please let the record show that it was Mr. Said who said that he would tackle feminists, not myself. Continue, sir. <laughs> That's well, going to be played on a loop like a morphine drip on feminist frequency, my friend. Watch your uh, microaggressing language. Yeah. It's not as though, uh, you know, I've, I've just outed myself. It, you just have to do a Google search and you see how many times I've gone after some of the stupidity that they espouse. Oh, sure. Well, it's but it's not common at all in, in, in Montreal. It, it really isn't. I remember, you know, when I was doing stand-up comedy um, and, and really the conservatives there. Funny story, actually, Concordia. Concordia is one of the places where I was banned. Uh, Andrew Searles and Mike Mayo, we did a show at their, their kind of pub there. And Andrew Searles was a black guy. And kids went up and just talked about how offended they were. They were booing and protesting jokes. And I remember thinking, this was really, really weird for comedy. Um, but that was the environment in Montreal. And we just had Mike yeah. Ward on, who you know, was put before a human rights tribunal. So do you think you've taken up this mantle, I, I guess, particular, particularly, as you said, of a, a public intellectual? R let's put the research to one side. Because you're in an area where there just aren't many people expressing these ideas. It's not even on the radar for a lot of French Canadians or English uh, Canadians. Uh, Although I would say that what you just described is not strictly speaking true of Quebec in particular, rather it's of academia in general, right? It's not as though at Wellesley College outside of Boston you're going to have, you know, bastions of freedom of speech walking around on campus. So, so I really think it's a problem that is endemic to the academic atmosphere that is 
I think that's fair, but I think it's different in Montreal again because you know my brother went to UT in Austin, for example. Um, So you know he did the full Seja situation scholarship at UT Austin Film School. So not a bastion of of right wing conservatism, and the, the the leftism, I guess for lack of a better word, in Montreal was that of ignorance because they hadn't even been exposed to ideas. Whereas in Austin, it was. It was uh, very aggressive because they were fighting back against sort of Texas culture. So I would say people just seemed far less informed in Montreal as it relates to, to freedom of speech and these ideas. I mean, perhaps. Uh, but again, in, in my case, what compels me is just it's my it's my genetic makeup. It's the random combination that make up who I am mm-hmm. that I get genuinely offended by <laughs> stupidity. And therefore, I go after it in all of its forms. I just I, I almost feel as though I'm cheating truth if I don't go after uh, people's bad ideas. And so to the extent that, uh, you know, all the social justice warrior and all the microaggressions and safe spaces is, is, is complete lunacy, then I feel that I have to speak out against it. And I only wish that some of my colleagues would take up the mantle with me. Do you, have you faced a lot of backlash with professors? I have not, actually. Uh, not at all. Uh, and I don't, you know, it's funny because Gavin McInnes recently, uh, him and I had a chat, and we had a chat earlier also last fall, and he's just astonished that I don't get more backlash. And so he, he are, his theory is that I just look as though I'm very nice, as if I'm a cross between a puppy and Santa Claus, which I don't really like that particular analogy because it kind of emasculates me. I'd like to think that I've got a lot more testosterone in me than, to, than uh, Santa Claus. But apparently something in my uh, delivery, maybe because I'm measured, maybe because, you know, I don't I, I don't engage in hyperbole. Uh, you know, people don't actually attack me too often. I do get hate mail, but not not too often. You engage in some hyperbole on Twitter. Uh, well, I, get, I engage in. Yeah, you're right. I mean, I engage. Well, it's not in, a bad thing. Like, I don't say I can. You know, there's nothing wrong with it if it's done in addendum to a reasonable argument, like ad hominem in place of an argument. Yeah, you throw it away. But ad hominem in addendum to it's it, it can be fantastic and usually i mean i think what you're probably referring to is sort of my satirical style where i where i try to demonstrate the lunacy of something by actually satirizing it to death so for example uh i've gone after bill nye not so much because i want to go after bill nye the person but because he espoused the position that i thought was so obnoxious and grotesque that i just can't let it sleep and then people would write back to me and say okay well i mean the horse is dead stop beating it i say no when you have this kind of public platform and you try to argue that uh you know the the crisis in syria and all over the Middle East is in part driven by uh, climate change. I'm going to come after you. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's, that's the mainstream thing right now. Climate change. If, or these people yeah. just need jobs. Um, that's sure. a big thing, though, too. Obviously, speaking out against Islam in in, uh, in Montreal is a, is a problem uh, for a lot of people. I have a different theory on that. I don't think it's because you look like a puppy in Santa Claus. I think, again, it sort of stems back to the ignorance and that in the United States. Now, I don't say ignorant. I don't mean stupid. I mean ignorance. I mean, in the United States, we've had to invent these terms safe spaces or trigger warnings. Why? Because the baseline, your trail of breadcrumbs back out of the forest, is the First Amendment. You have to somehow refute that or argue against something that's inherently flawed in the First Amendment to uphold that view in the United States. In Montreal, they've not really needed to create those terms, or in Quebec, where I was raised, because freedom of speech isn't an inherent right. I mean, I experienced that firsthand. A lot of Americans don't realize till they go there. So I think you're throwing seven different kinds of smoke they're not even talking about yet. Right. And I mean, that's perhaps true. I'd also say that there isn't the same sense of entitlement 
in university campuses in, in Canada as there is in the U.S., perhaps in part because you don't, I mean, the tuitions are not nearly the same. And so uh, I've noticed, I've taught at Cornell and at Dartmouth and at UC Irvine. And uh, while, of course, I respect all those schools and I love the students there, they tend to have slightly more of a chip on their shoulders, probably because they pay five, ten times more for their education. And so therefore, uh, it's easier to have a victimhood sort of ethos uh, when you feel that entitled, whereas when in Quebec, almost everything is semi-free, maybe you don't have quite the same chip on your shoulder, right? Well, until you try and raise tuition by, what, $200 like we had. Then you That's have right. protesting in the streets <laughs> alongside sinkholes. That was a yeah. summer from hell. <laughs> Remember that? I was telling my friends there's yeah. sinkholes in Montreal. Because, like, what, what are you talking about? Like, tremors? I'm like, no, this is an actual thing. It was, uh, you had a bunch of them in Montreal, right? You mean the sinkholes? Yeah, the sinkholes. Oh. It was oh, a real yeah, problem. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, just just very close to our house. If you if you drive, you know, within five 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 minutes from our house, it's basically as though you're driving in a third world. <laughs> well, yeah, and I, there are a lot of things I love about Montreal. But speaking of that, you know, students, like you said, see, I I, I definitely feel, I guess, financially, students think they're entitled. When I was there, I want to say McGill might have been a couple thousand a year, and that seems like it would be stretching it. When I left in two thousand four, two thousand five. It was 50-something million dollars in debt. Last I checked, it was over 70. Do, do you know what the number is on that now? But it's horrible. I, I, I don't. I don't. But I can tell you. So when I when I went, I did my undergrad and uh, MBA at uh, McGill. So that took the whole thing took six years. Yeah. Uh, and I, I paid, if I remember correctly, so this is 84 to 1990. Uh, I paid, I think, $440 <laughs> a semester. So I got an undergrad in math and computer science and an MBA probably for about $5,000, $6,000. Yeah, exactly. And Americans hear that and they get jealous. But when you look at the numbers of the the, the crushing debt, and it's just hard to upkeep these programs with McGill. Um, Or just our taxes, right? I mean, people think it's free. It's not free. Basically, I've got four... $4 Four dollars left to my name at the end of every year. Right. Well, it's, it's the highest marginal tax rate. Is it still fifty-two in Quebec? I think it's somewhere around there. And then, of course, you add the sales tax, you add this tax, you add that tax. I probably take at the end of it maybe thirty-five cents to the dollar. Yeah, yeah. We did those rates. I remember in a video on Canadian healthcare when I was at PJTV, and, and people thought I was lying. Um, and I was no. These are the actual effective marginal tax rates. And everyone just said, there, there's no way. This is propaganda. So, okay, we'll talk more about that when we get back. We have to go to a break. Right, YouTube.com slash GadSad, two A's, because you got to say it the Middle Eastern way properly. Lighter with Crider. Stay tuned. This Week in Feminism. We are here live at the University of Michigan protests from the student body's LGBTQ AAIP protests, where they are demanding that their preferred gender pronouns be used in absence of biology. I stand here with their female representative. No, see right there. I didn't say female. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to be rude. This lady who- No, that's the same thing. It seems you would prefer bitch. Steven Crowder here. Hey, Jared, what are you doing? Ah, I'm just having trouble getting through this book. Well, that's because you can't read. I know! You should have used Freedom Project Academy. Freedom what? Yeah, Freedom Project Academy. Just go to fpeusa.org. It's a fully accredited private online school, no common core, and absolutely no government funding whatsoever. All the classes are taught live online, kindergarten through high school, with real teachers based around the country. So through Freedom Project's classical curriculum, students master the basics like math, English, history, science, uh, alongside some more commonly neglected courses like logic 
You're not getting that in a lot of schools. Economics, American studies, and Latin, all of which foster the long-lost art of critical thinking and create leaders for tomorrow. All classes are recorded to be viewed 24-7, and you can get your very own sneak peek of any class or professor at fpeusa.org. Open enrollment runs March through July, but classes always fill up fast. Now, do you have your GED equivalency, Jared? No, is that important? I think so. I mean, you might want to give them a call. That's Freedom Project Academy at fpeusa.org. When it's time to party, we will party hard. All right, we are glad to have this guest back right into it. You can follow his channel. Highly recommend you check it out. Gad Sad, S-A-A-D, from Montreal. Professor, scholar, thank you for being back with us. So what would you say is the most important issue that you you touch upon? Sort of, I guess, binding your your, your research in psychology with what you, where you found a niche, obviously, in social media and being a public intellectual. So you're talking about in terms of my scientific research or yes. in terms of my... So, I mean, the, the ultimate goal has always been from the start of my being a professor to Darwinize the behavioral sciences. And what I mean by that, uh, you know, much of the social sciences have existed in a world where biology is relevant for the mosquito and the zebra and the giraffe, but somehow it is not relevant to human behavior because the argument has been that what makes us human is that we transcend our biology, right? We are mm -hmm. a cultural animal. That's what makes us different from the zebra. And, uh, and there are all sorts of interesting reasons why that arose, I mean, why the abdication of biology happened. And so what I wanted to do was really use the, the explanatory framework of evolutionary psychology to explain specifically consumer behavior. The idea being that you can't fully understand consumption or our consumatory nature without understanding the biological foundations of what makes us consume. So really, all, much of my research revolves around that central grand objective. Right. Now, how does, how does that work now with the trans everything movement? I mean, the most uh, sexist, transphobic people in the world must be biological researchers or, or doctors. It's the first question you have to fill out in the questionnaire. <laughs> well, I mean, I don't specifically study those trans issues, although I do have a doctoral student uh, that's currently with me. Who, uh, we're interested in looking at homosexual consumers to see whether certain phenomena that we study in a heterosexual context, for example, uh, gift-giving courtship rituals that mm -hmm. happen between men and women, uh, would they replicate amongst uh, a homosexual uh, you know, context. Right. For example, if you are a top or a bottom, uh, which is a sex role that you take, right? You're predominantly either the passive or the... This is a family-friendly uh, show, and I also <laughs> resent that premise. I know for a fact from several guests on this show that they can be interchangeable, sir. How dare you? Yeah, there, there is a verse. You're absolutely right. There are versatiles, but what we're trying to look actually for are the ones who are predominantly one or the other. Right. So the guys who are sort of doing both ways, uh, maybe we'd keep them out. And then to see whether some of the heterosexual phenomena that, we, that, we've been, that we've documented would also manifest themselves in a homosexual context. So that's the extent to which I've looked at some of the things that you're looking at in the context of consumer behavior. Right. Well, as it deals, the reason I ask is because with the trans issue, I mean, it, we have tried to throw that out the window. Biology, gender is non-binary. Um, of course, if you question it, you're anti-science. Uh, I, I would right. think that as opposed to climate science, DNA would, one could argue, is more settled. 
Uh, I certainly have heard people made that case, and I was convinced. So I wonder what that's like teaching in that realm today if people have to tiptoe around it, depending on whether a student gets offended or not. Because you have states now that ban if, ban sending people to, to counseling you know, who want to mutilate their genitals because it's considered right. hate thought, hate speech. So that's why I was curious. I mean, the, the, the context in which I see these types of issues, not the trans issue, but sort of sex differences, mm-hmm. is in the context of whether... Sec, whether there are any sex differences that are actually innate other than genitalia mm-hmm. or whether everything is due to a social construction. Now, of course, truly radical social constructivists argue that everything short of your genitalia is ultimately due to some cascade of you know, socialization. Uh, and of course, the average three-year-old would be able to falsify that premise. But the reality is that within the with social push-ups. sciences... Just with push-ups. You take a well, but you, know, but you know what the social construction argument would be for that? Uh, from very, very young age, little Johnny is uh, is condoned, is, is encouraged to play rough and tumble styles, and that sort of sure, sure, sure. Him. But that's silly. Yeah. That's silly, especially any biological science that you look at, at muscle um, trauma and you look at the way muscles are built. I mean, it's just the testosterone. You look at the hormonal profiles. It's just it's silly. And I feel like you know sometimes we have a lot of intellectuals, obviously, in, who debate on campus, and sometimes we get so far off the beam where if we're going to use that premise and deconstruct it, listen, it's silly. There's a reason the military requirements right now they have been lowered for women. They can't do it. It's not because of a social construct. They've been stripped down to a number. We know it's true. And sometimes we get so far off into the weeds. So I do have a question, though, for you on on, on the feminism front. Uh, Obviously, you've spoken out against feminism. How does someone like you, obviously, someone who's really studied the biology, um, how do you see a feminist who is often going against, I would assume that you argue, some some of which is their nature, some is nurture, um, trying to act like men out manning the men, you know, like at the Feminist Film Festival where we go. What, what, what kind of irreparable damage does that do there? And is it entirely well, a daddy issue? <laughs> uh, well, I mean, I, w- I would say, first of all, that we have to sort of decouple the different definitions of feminism. I mean, feminism as the idea that we should be equal under the law, right? Equity feminism. Well, right. that's, of course, it's easy for you and I to get behind. The problem comes from sort of radical feminists, whereby they regrettably conflate the idea that they, that everybody should be equal under the law, that and and that therefore that must mean that we should be indistinguishable, indistinguishable from one another, right? right? To argue that we are indistinguishable from one another makes it easier to fight the so-called sexist status quo, and right. I think that's where the problem comes in. The reality is that biologists define homo sapiens as a sexually dimorphic species. In other words, the the manner in which humans are defined right. recognizes that we are innately different in sure. our set in our in our in our dimorphism so so it's it's exactly what you said it's silly but of course it comes from an ideological position that's very very difficult to fight against yeah it's one of those things that's that's difficult to disprove right um because of the way they set it up and i wonder i have a writer from uh my website courtney who's brilliant and she wrote about this and people got really mad where she said uh, you know I, and she's a very strong independent woman She's uh, off on her own. She's been self-employed for a long time. She's talked about how we're trying to empower women through putting them on the same playing field with men, action stars, uh, trying to force them into sciences, in the military, in the front lines. And she argues that um, you're giving a lot of young women complexes with that from a psychological perspective. I wonder if you could confirm that. 
Well, I mean, listen, uh, think, I don't know if you know, do you know who Lawrence Summers is? Is that, does that name ring a bell? The name does ring a bell, yeah. But we do have to go to a break soon. We'll go to a web extended. So can you wrap this in like 20 seconds and then we'll come back? Uh, He he was the Harvard president and he basically gave a speech where he talked about the idea that uh, some, some women might not be into science. He got kicked out of Harvard. That's right. I think we did write about that. And, um... Poor bastard. Okay. For people listening terrestrially, youtube.com slash gadsad, S-A-A-D, and there is an exclusive web extended coming up. Lotterworthcrowder.com. Stay tuned. I'm Bernie Sanders, and I approve this message. In my travels across this country, I hear too many stories from Americans whom the system has failed. Thank you so much, Mr. Sanders. You are such an inspiration. I have been going to college, and I I got in because I was 115th uh, Cherokee. As I filled out all my applications, and I got in, I had a grant, and I went to college, but I, went, I was supposed to maintain certain grade point average. And then what happened when I was going to take my test, I fell on a, on a heroin needle, and so it went inside me, and I had heroin, and it caused a problem. And then they also, they, fa- they said that I wasn't 115th Cherokee, which I didn't know when I filled out the application, and that combined with my, my GPA was a 1.4, but it was because of the heroin needle that I fell out on the sidewalk, and now they want to kick me out of school, and I can't be, and they, what, they're saying that because it was fraudulent, I actually need to pay student loans, and I don't want to pay student loans, and I, I need you to pay for it. In a Bernie Sanders presidency, these Americans will be heard and Bernie Sanders will help them. Not good enough, America! You're a strange animal. That's what I know. You're getting louder with Crowder. But you're a strange animal. I got to follow. Oh, I'm in the speedy to see. Glad to be back. Third hour coming up at the bottom. Well, actually, no, next segment will be Papa Crowder. Good old Papa Crowder. Papa Crowder. He actually wants uh, you to let him know to give him five minutes notice. Sure will. So I will do that. He is excited to do it. I just figured I'd bring him on. You know, I really do think that we've been pretty fair with uh, the candidates. They've all been invited in the program. Some have come on the program. Some have not. And, yeah, listen, who cares if I don't like Donald Trump? You can. Whatever. I just think that people need to substantiate their arguments. Uh, my father is not as forgiving. <laughs> my father is not as forgiving as I am. <laughs> not as forgiving as I am. So uh, I figure you should hear it from him. He's a, he's a pretty smart guy, and he is not a fan. All, uh, we were going to bring my mom on, but she just said, I can't do it. I get too mad with, with that. That guy, he's making me sick. <laughs> and she's the biggest Republican conservative there is. Like, she's not someone, she just, she would have voted for anyone. And she she actually she liked Rubio she liked Fiorina she liked Cruz, um, she even liked Ran, liked Huckabee she liked all of them. I can't think of anyone she didn't like. I'm trying to think, who did she? She even liked Dick Cheney. Leslie Graham, Lindsey Graham, Lindsey Graham, Leslie, Leslie. Leslie. It's also a guy's name that is. Well, we were talking about the guy in Austin who used to walk around in cheeky shorts. Okay. So before we bring my dad on, I want to address two issues here. We covered this on the website, and we have the video ready. You know, people got mad when I talked about democratic socialism and communism and socialism, and and, and I do argue, and I've 
I've put it forward uh, in long form and short form, and I think it's entirely uh, an entirely valid comparison: communism, socialism, democratic socialism. And people say, "Ah, oh, you're just trying, you're just trying to scare people." So uh, here is Bernie Sanders in an interview from 1985, back before he knew that the cameras were, were were rolling for his future presidential bid. Now he stays pretty silent on his foreign policy. It's not something he puts forward a whole lot. Here is him talking about Nicaragua's uh, communist breadline straight from the horse's mouth go ahead we were joking but no bernie really said this about communism in nicaragua you know it's funny sometimes american journalists talk about how bad a country is because people are lining up for food that's a good thing in other countries people don't line up for food the rich get the food and the poor starve to death so it's good okay. that there are lines um, waiting precursor everything that guy just says bullshit. okay but let me explain it to you this is Bernie Sanders, by the way, talking about communist food lines. Now, if you want to, statistically, it's incorrect that in communist countries, everybody eats and in rich countries, poor people die, only the rich eat. Okay, people who are listening to this, not every person who listens to Ladder with Crowder is Daddy Warbucks or um, Mr. Peanut, Mr. Planters, though I like to picture them as such. It makes my job less nerve wracking. So much better. No, uh, not at all. This is Bernie Sanders himself praising communist Food line. And if you're too lazy to actually follow the story, people think I'm, I'm doing an impression or they might think it's fake. No, this is real. Listen, and, and not gay Jared made this point. Democratic socialism is just communism with a checkbox. Just because you add democratic in front of something, it doesn't change the root ideology, right? Mm -hmm. Bernie Sanders thinks that communist red lines are, he just said, that's a good thing. But somehow he's, he's duped people into believing that what he wants to do is different because he wants people to vote that we have bread lines. Mm -hmm. So if you if if you get to have a vote that we're going to have bread lines, then it's okay because there was a vote on it. You can vote for slavery, democratic slavery. Are we on board with that? You can vote. Uh, gosh, I'm trying to think. Okay, well, obviously I don't support you can vote against same-sex marriage. It's democratic. It doesn't putting democratic doesn't make something any more moral. Also, this idea that the majority supports X, therefore it's moral, it's the right thing to do X. That's not true at all. The majority of people often make bad decisions, just, often make Just look through history for two seconds, and you realize sure. the majority were on board with the wrong thing. Well, absolutely. Lots of times. Absolutely. Lots and, of times. And a majority of, of communist or authoritative regimes at some point were voted in, and then they shut the door behind them. Not anymore, yeah. once you give them that power. Before they were really against Nazism, they were highly for... Nazism. I mean, you can draw the, the parallels wherever you want, but people right. at some point people had to be on board with it. That's right. how you rose to power. You right. didn't just walk in and say, no. let's just let's run with this. No, of course not. And I'm not saying everyone who supports Bernie Sanders is a Nazi, but he is openly supporting, praising breadlines here. This guy is. And it's democratic. So here's something. This is what he supports because he believes for some reason that uh, in the United States more people are dying of starvation than I guess Cuba and Nicaragua or in Stalinist Russia. I I just I, I don't I don't know. I don't know. And this is what this guy's been saying forever. You're talking about a guy who never held a private job until forty something, lived on people's apartments. This is the guy who if you were on college campus, you're like, ah oh, okay, it's Bernie. Does he smell like weed? He smells like weed. He's gonna pass oh, there he is. He's passing you the, the, the socialist pamphlets with his friend with the dreadlocks. Good lord. That was Bernie Sanders. That was the guy in college none of you liked, okay? He may act nice now and say it's democratic. It's immoral. He's gotten a haircut. Got to give him that. Well, it's a, it's not it's not an optional. He just he God gave him a haircut. Mm. God cut his hair down. Which brings us to another point. Mississippi 
has enacted some new welfare laws, and we wrote about this. So it ties right into the bread lines. Again, going back to human nature. In Mississippi, people are required to work for some of their welfare benefits. Not Gay Jarrett. Roll that clip. With recent changes to SNAP programs, some of those receiving benefits are working to make sure they don't lose them. I'm working here as part of the SNAP program for doing 40 hours a month in exchange for keeping my food stamps. Today is Percy Fayard's first day volunteering at Feed My Sheep in Gulfport. I'm in a current state of job search and I'm trying to make sure that I can still at least afford to live. Percy says even though the work is hard, he doesn't mind putting in long hours in order to keep his benefits. Well, okay, a couple of things you note there. The big argument against welfare expansion, the benefits from Hillary and Bernie right now, is that Republicans want to hurt minorities the most. If you just listened to that clip, you might have been able to hear from the voice. If you watched it, that gentleman, um, Caucasian gentleman, I'm trying to use the correct terms here, Caucasian, white, borderline translucent. So we talk about racism and how if you want to uh, shut down welfare at all, it's racist. That's the leftist argument because they expect very little of their voter constituency. A couple of things here that are important fly directly in the face of Bernie Sanders and breadlines. You hear what this guy said, okay? Never underestimate the power of self-preservation. If someone needs to work in order to eat, they will work. That sounds cruel. It's not. If someone needs to be productive in order to be a part of a society, they will do so. It's an amazing motivational tool. Whether you want to acknowledge it or not, again, it goes to human nature. You may want to believe that eventually everyone gets the same. No one is rewarded for success and they'll work in a utopian society because you tell them to and they enjoy the work that you're forcing them to do. That's not how it's worked out. That's why socialism, that's why communism, that's why big government, when it takes over forms of commerce, has never worked long term where it's been tried. It's a matter of time before they move toward a more free enterprise system. Uh, another thing. That people don't want to talk about. And this is, what the, this is why the left has destroyed entire sectors of the community. You know, they talk about welfare. They promise voters free stuff, right? It's the gift that keeps on giving the whole year. If you look at these results in Mississippi, people like it. People like working for welfare. People were designed to be purposeful. They're happier. They're more fulfilled when they're living that way. Would not working be easier? Yes. And so many people will do that. Just like many people would cheat on tests in high school if you could. Find the Asian kid, pay him for homework, commerce, okay? Some people in the studio may or may not have taken part. But you didn't feel good about it. Didn't make you a better person, didn't cause you to grow. Time and time again, we see that giving people stuff doesn't make them happier. It certainly doesn't strengthen an economy. It certainly doesn't strengthen a culture, despite what Bernie Sanders says. And it doesn't make someone happier happier. And it's demeaning. It's demeaning. It's more demeaning to tell someone I'm going to give it to you because I know you can't take care of yourself than asking them to work for it. This is a perfect example. I, we talk about common ground. Okay. A lot of people go, oh, the gridlock in Washington. I hate, I hate how divisive it's been. You know what? I don't. I really don't. Uh, there's all this talk where people try and act as though it's somehow morally, it's, it's altruistic to, if we could just come together, we all want the same things. I don't want the same things. I'm sorry. I don't. People say that we need to work together because we want the same things for the country. No. You want to kill babies in breadlines, Bernie Sanders. You believe that we should be able to kill babies up until the woman has contractions and breadlines. I don't want the same things. I don't need to hold hands and do the whole we are the world bull crap. I don't want the same things. I'm okay with that dividing line. I'm okay with being divisive if I'm dividing myself from the right person. 
So in this case, if we want to talk about coming together, I can't think of another area where everyone should be coming together other than right here. Let's talk about welfare. Okay, listen, we have welfare in this country. We have benefits. We want to help people while they're down. Sure. Here's what we want to do. Drug tested for welfare. And you work. Why is everybody not on board with that? If someone tweet me at S. Crowder, I have never heard a single sound argument presented against that. We've had leftists on the shows. We've had Bernie supporters on the shows. Hopefully we'll have more. Can one person give me an argument as to why asking people who show up for welfare to work could be anything other than a good thing? As we see here in Mississippi with successful results. Drug tested for welfare, you show up to work. Then you can place them in a job. They gain experience. They don't have to be on welfare forever. I, I hate to attribute to, to uh, I hate to attribute a motive, but I can't see any other path to it when Democrats say, when you say, well, okay, let's have let's welfare, but let's try and scale it back. Let's have a work program. No. Well, let's make sure that people aren't just staying on welfare forever and abusing substances and, and they have no intention of working. No. Again, I'm okay with being politically divided on some issues, but if we're going to talk about common ground, before we get to abortion, before we get to 90% tax on people making over 250000 a year, how about, ah, you just work for your dollar? Seems reasonable. Pop a crowd after this. For episode 645 of the Game of Thrones fandom podcast. Okay, it's important that you stay on topic. Did you see the episode last week on Game of Thrones? Yeah. And what you, what you find most fascinating about that one? I thought that Jon Snow was doing a lot with the... God, you see the audience tunes in to talk about boobs and butts! I just thought some of the narratives that tied together were interesting. Damn it, Eugene, no one cares about that crap! People see a podcast to hear about the boobs and butts on the show! Stay tuned for episode 694 of the Game of Thrones fandom podcast, where Eugene will be replaced with an adult film actress. Oh, hey, Lyle. Didn't see you there. What are you doing? Oh, I'm just relaxing and enjoying my 1978 Bordeaux, a fine beverage, after a fine game of racquetball at the Wimbledon. There's no more quality establishment than the Wimbledon, you know. That sounds fun. I don't really know a whole lot about wine. That's why I go to SimplifiedWine.com, or I just call their number. What's that number, Jared? 844-297-WINE. Oh, where'd he come from? His voice aggravates me. I have him chained to a caravan. For simpletons like me who don't know a whole lot about wine, just what I like, it makes it easy. I either get to call, go to the website, talk with a sommelier, list what I like, what I don't like, my budget, and can have it shipped directly to my door, or gift-wrapped and sent to a friend. It doesn't get any simpler than that. Simplified wine, you say? I prefer more of a barrier to entry. <laughs> I know you do, Lyle, but you're an elitist bastard. That's why for simpletons like me, I prefer SimplifiedWine.com or just calling 844-297-WINE. I'm a
glad to be back. It's fun. It's a good time. It's fun to be on the program. Fun program. It's a good time. Best to have program. It's, it's a fun time to have on the program. It's a decent program. And that's what we want to make it. Uh, uh, above uh, average program. A slightly above average program. We're, we're right in the bell curve there. Not a bad place to be these days. It's not a bad place to be. Now, a lot of people think that I have been unfair with, with, uh, with, with Donald Trump, and uh, I would disagree. And a lot of people think that sometimes I, I get too he- we get too heated. So um, if, you think I'm, if you think I'm unfair, um, I wanted to bring on our next guest. You know him. You've heard him here before. We know. We and know anytime it. you hear this song... I got the chronic by the trees. Throw your hands in the air and use a true player. Yeah, I'll the whole thing. To the honeys, get your money, play your fellas like dummies. Uh. Because he sees some honeys tonight. Could be having his baby. Papa Crowder, thank you for being on the show, sir. <laughs> Hey guys, thanks for having me. All right. Well, even as, you, as you and Jared know, I do love to throw my hands in the air like a true player. Like, like you don't care, perhaps? He is a true player. A true player. That's the way I roll. <laughs> my dad is a true player. I don't think there's ever been a whiter introduction. Somehow we made Notorious <laughs> B.I.G. shamefully white. Um, I do have C-notes and layers and gas strapped to my waist, though, but that's, you know, I just do it in a white sort of way. The know. nerve on him with the racist talk. Uh, but he does have some street cred coming from Detroit. We've talked about that before. He's from the area that Eminem likes to claim he's from. Dad, right? Your, your, our, aunt, our aunt, your sister, Aunt Shirley, uh, worked at the, the restaurant where Eminem busboyed, right? That's right. Long before he had to handle Eminem, though. Right. He was still Marshall Mathers at that point. <laughs> that's right. And, Marshall uh, pick up. He was the guy saying, wait till I be a big rapper. People were like, yeah, right. And he did prove them wrong. Uh, okay. Just, just grab that mop, kid. Yeah. <laughs> just grab that mop, kid. And your bleached head looks stupid. Put on something <laughs> other than an undershirt every now and then. Silly little boy. Okay. We've talked about this before, and mom would get too heated. On the Trump thing, uh, you've been following the politics primaries ever since I've known you. You've been pretty conservative. Um, we might go into a contested convention. What do you what do you make of this, Dad? Where are you on the Trump situation? Are you kind of maybe let let the listeners know? <laughs> well, I heard my intro there, so I think uh, I think that cat's out of the bag. You know, I've never been a fan, and we talk about this all the time. It's uh, it, it, it's it's really sad. I, there will be a con- contested convention, I believe, and uh, I just think if you give this guy enough rope, or in his case, a live mic, when he doesn't know he's on, he will find a way to, to crash and burn. So I'm waiting for that. It's uh, it seems that it seems to be happening little by little, but I wonder if there's just a uh, just some some real vulgar rant that's coming that we're we're going to hear about, even as people go. Oh, okay, that was fun for a while. But we're, we're <laughs> <laughs> his, his own his own people are going to tap out. Yeah, well, that's you, right. You heard us play this earlier in the show. The Roger Stone guy said he was going to release the the hotel room. I know he doesn't work with the campaign anymore. Release the hotel rooms of the delegates who don't pledge to him. And you told we've talked about this. You do not want to see a brokered convention if Trump wins the specific amount of delegates. You he needs to be the nominee. We agreed on that. But there's a reason sure. that rule exists. So where are you if no one has enough delegates and it goes to a contested convention? You think that's fair? Yeah. Then you got to work the floor. Then let's see. Let's see what you got. Now it matters. People are people are going to vote when it really counts. Let's let's see what we can do. And I think Cruz has a good, uh, pretty good ground game. He's working the delegates hard. 
Uh, he's winning the delegates fairly consistently, but uh, I never want to see the will of the people usurp. We can't do that. You can't have, you know, the party um, elites decide, uh, you know, against the will of the folks. When people have have already said, "Hey, you ran this guy by us. We didn't vote for him. Next, we didn't vote for him. Next, right?" And there are two left, and then you try to foist that same person who maybe had already been through. Or if they try to grab a Paul Ryan or something like that, it's just it's wrong. It can't happen. So if they trot out Paul Ryan in his P90X shorts, you're not going to be a fan? Uh, it's, it's quite a look, but no, I, <laughs> you wouldn't, wouldn't get my vote. <laughs> he's, he's the guy who would have picked last for volleyball on your gym squad as an adult, but in a teenage body. Yeah, you say that. I agree that. I, I agree with that. But there's a very specific – this is not new. We've talked about this. You know, I think it was Texas. Uh, Hillary won Texas, but Obama got more delegates. With Mitt Romney, he won some states, and Paul Ryan—not uh, Paul Ryan—Ron uh, 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 Paul won more delegates. This is nothing new. Why do you think people no. all of a sudden act as though this is foul play? Delegates shouldn't exist. It should only be the popular vote, and if if they don't, you deserve to you know knock down their hotel room door at convention. Yeah, no, I, I don't agree with that. I, you and I talked about this earlier that. It's okay to let the states do their own quirky little, hey, this is the way we pick candidates. As, as for us, this is how we're going to go. You guys do what you want. That's okay. It's 50 sovereign states. It's a, it's a neat place, this great experiment, and it works. And it, it's a little bit funny. I know some people do caucuses. Others do outright primaries. Others just do delegates in, in precincts. But um, you, you, you can't go against that and say, okay, that's not working. But there is a lot of rancor. There's a lot of distrust. So we're in an environment where people are looking for it. And I think that's the, that's where we are. Well, people are just angry. And you've had friends, you know, uh, you, uh, people who know you're, you're a Christian man, and you're talking about people at church who are kind of on the Trump train, and you had some conversations with them, and they hadn't mm-hmm. even thought of these things. No, they hadn't. It's just like a lot of the folks that were um, Christians, we've talked about this before, that were voting for Obama. And I said, well, as a follower of Martin Luther King, I could never vote for Obama. And they would go, what, what, what? They didn't have they, they didn't have a chip in their brain to take that. And you know, if, especially if they were black folks. And uh, you could bring them around to the fact that this person doesn't share your values. In fact, he mocks your values. Same case with Trump. He's not he's not in your camp. He mocks you. He gets on Howard Stern, and you're the brunt of every joke. But when he's in the in the national spotlight, yeah, I'm one of those. I love the Bible. Right. You know, he, he, He's consistent in his inconsistency for sure. He's not. Uh, but Ted Cruz, though, even though we know he's a he's a Christian man, he's not out to 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 uh, uh, ram that down anyone's throats. He's a constitutionalist. It's going to push it back to the states and and limit the federal government in your life. So I, I don't have any problem with that. No. Well, Mark Ripito, who's an atheist, said the exact same thing. Little known fact: um, Mo Sislak is in my father's church group. What? 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 I, I was not aware of that, but uh, all right, we've had, we we uh, we're gonna have to let you go, Papa Crowder. Obviously, you're not on social media or any of that, and I know you're out to to dinner with uh, with mom and friends. So thanks for coming on, and we will check back in with you. But um, hopefully, next time you're as mad as you are when you call me with week updates. <laughs> thanks for having me, guys. Appreciate it. All right, talk to you later. That was Papa Crowder, Pops Crowder, depending on what you want to call him. Um, cis, white male, privileged, with opinions. We'll be back later with Crowder. Stay tuned. I'm Bernie Sanders, and I approve this message! In my travels across this country, I hear too many stories from Americans whom the system has failed. 
Thank you, Mr. Sanders. I appreciate what you do. I really do. So I, my story is I was born a man, but now I don't want to be a man anymore. And so I want to get my um, I want to get my twigs and berries removed. And so I went to the doctor and um, and I didn't pay for health insurance. I was on my way to pay for health insurance at one time. But then what happened was I fell on a, on a, on a sidewalk and I fell on a heroin, you know, and then I had a problem and I had to sustain it. But I never ended up getting health insurance. And then now the doctors say that the, the uh, sexual reassignment surgery is, is um, it's an elective that it's not covered and that I could technically still function with a penis that's, that I was born with. But I don't want to function with the penis that I was born with. I want a non-functioning vagina and a catheter and I need you to pay for it. In a Bernie Sanders presidency, these Americans will be heard, and Bernie Sanders will help them. Not good enough, America! Whoa, Jared, what are you doing? Shoot, bagger. With what? AR-15. Where'd you get it? AR-15.com. Oh, there's another one. You got him. Yeah. Thank God for AR15.com. They have AR15 and accessories for sale and the best advice there is on the web. Oh, no, there's another one. Kaboom. You got him. Yeah. With your what? AR15. From where? AR15.com. That's the best place to go, and that's a takeaway because this commercial's about to stop. Glad to be back. Anyone who watches the live stream, you know, we do the dancing and sometimes people are saying, well, you're off beat. There's just, there's always a little bit a of a little delay. Bit of delay in your brain from the rhythm <laughs> of the song. I walked right into that I walked one. right into it. Okay, speaking of walking face first into something, it's time to walk face first into racism. Let me set this story up for you. Yusra, I want to get the last name right because I don't want to be racist. Yusra Kagali who's one of the Black Lives Matter founders from Toronto, tweeted out that she wanted the strength from... Allah, please give me strength to not cuss, kill these white men and white folks out here today. Please, please, please. Now, I know, to some of you, that may sound racist. It may sound borderline inappropriate. However, she presented this sound argument in her defense. Jared, let's roll the clip. This is extremely frustrating and emotional for me because we slept outside for two weeks to get somebody to care about death in our community. Mm. And this is what you've decided to focus on. No, it yes, is we focused very, on, we very, focused on everything very else that has gone on with the Black Lives Matter, but it's this very is part of the whole story, though. Has there been a story yet on Pierre Bonny? Okay. Has there been stories on Black Lives Matter? Let's, let's, uh, it's very irresponsible. If I tweet out that I want to kill white people, and you say, hey, why do you want to kill white people? You're an irresponsible jackass. These are the new rules. So I want to sort of clarify. I know I'm not allowed to with my white privilege. Um, I think a lot of people don't know what racism is. So Yusra, let me give you a, a few pointers. Um, and I'm sorry you had a bad week. But um, a lot of people have bad weeks. They don't find themselves overreacting by tweeting out allusions to mass genocide. It's, it's not considered a healthy reaction. But I'm not a professional. Um, see, contrary to the Black Lives Matter movement, right, there's constant false claims of racism. What's being exhibited here is actual racism. 
Let me explain to you. Let me provide some examples. A white guy refusing to check his privilege. That's not actually racism. Let me define it first. Racism is a belief that people are inferior, subservient, solely due to the color of their skin. Telling a white guy to check his privilege, if he doesn't, that's not necessarily racism. Jared, would we agree? I agree fully. You're looking like you're not even in the room. I was tweeting. Oh, you were tweeting. Handling Twitters. A white guy wearing dreadlocks. That's not racism. You may say cultural appropriation, but that is not racism. A person simply believing in a free enterprise system and that he shouldn't support a giant welfare state. That's not racism. Wanting to kill people solely because of the color of their skin is racism. I got you. I'm trying. I'm just trying to. Yeah. There you go. And I I know it's. I hope I've crystallized the basic concept for you. Um, I I hope I've made it clear. If you have any questions, you can tweet me at S. Crowder. But I love this about the Black Lives Matter movement. They want segregated safe spaces. They want affirmative action. Uh, They they, they tell people to check their privilege. They are impoverished. They are being gunned down by cops in the streets because that's what cops do. One does. That's what happens. But if they tweet out that they feel they want to kill all white folks... By the way, she cre- she didn't just tweet out. She was publicly praying, of course, to you know her um, her pagan moon god, whose prophet raped a six year old girl. So there's a problem there to begin with. Muhammad Islam. I know you're not supposed to. I know you're not supposed to say it. Technically, he raped her when she was nine. Okay, I'll grant you that. One could say maybe that's the problem with the jumping off point. If you're Islamic and Muhammad is kind of your your your, your standby example. Yeah, maybe committing mass genocide against the whites. She's like, no, you wanted to do it with the Jews. Let's just swap a little wordplay. little wordplay there. Um, something else I find really funny. This is this girl from Toronto. I was raised in Montreal. We just had God sat on. Um, this is not a place that has the same kind of history or problems that the United States would have, where you would talk about the police force. It's, it's, it's not at all. And it also, it also, of course, it doesn't have the same kind of a color palette. They don't have the amount of black people in Toronto as you do in the United States. Very few places do have the diversity that you have in the United States, despite the fact that we're accused of being racist by these overwhelmingly white European nations by design. The ones that claim they're not socialist. Right. Those ones. The ones that claim they're not socialist when Bernie Sanders says it works here and then the Danish prime minister says no, 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 no. We're not socialist. So this is a perfect example. When I was raised in Montreal, we always laughed about this. Um, For example, Ebonics, the the twang that you hear from urban cities in the United States from black people. You can trace that history. Right? You can trace. As a matter of fact, white southerners use a lot of the same lingo, use a lot of the same slang. If you actually listen to white people from the south, they speak much more similarly to actually even black people from Detroit than white people from Detroit. A lot of the same expressions. Um, and, of course, you can trace that back to slavery. You can trace that back to origins of black people in the South. Not, not saying that's a good thing. I'm simply talking about a dialect. You can trace that. So it is a uniquely American thing. What I find funny is you now, we would have kids in Montreal who they would sound like Gadsad. They would sound like those people. They, or they would be French-Canadian. And then they were trying to yo talk like they were from Detroit, and then you end up with Drake, the rapper, <laughs> who claims he's from Memphis. It's like, yep. You were the butter soft paraplegic in Degrassi who couldn't outrun the school shooting, right? You're a Jewish kid from Toronto, and then they fake the American. It has to be fake. Anyone from Canada who tries to act as though they've lived the American black experience is lying. 
or they've created it for themselves, as this woman has. Now, places like New York, places like Detroit, I'm not going to, I'm not going to deny reality. Yeah, there's racism. It's palpable in Detroit. Absolutely. It's very segregated. In places like New York, people stay in there. It's, you may have a lot of, of people from different walks of life, different races, different ethnicities. It is very divided in New York. Lived there for years. I'm not going to deny that tension, That of course. But that is not the case in Montreal. A cop isn't even looking. Again, the reason that's the case in the United States, a lot of it is statistical. If you're a cop and you're gambling with your life every day in a very dangerous area, like right now, record shootings in Chicago, vast majority of them are committed by black gang members. Doesn't mean that all black people are gang members. That's not what I'm saying. But if you're a cop and you're gambling with your life and you have to make split-second bets, yeah, I think for some cops that enters into the equation. I don't think they premeditatedly go out and say, I'm going to uh, uh, knock off a black guy today. I think things escalate and this happens more. Okay? But you don't even have that statistical reality in Toronto. I guarantee you cops are not going, oh, 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 there's a, there's a French Haitian there. Oh, this is a problem. Let's, let's, let, let, you know what, just to be on the safe side, let's go full Tamir Rice. That's not what they do. There isn't even this history in Canada. So here you have a woman who has created fake racism. There is racism in Canada. There is discrimination. It's not necessarily racism. Like the prejudice in Canada is between the English and the French. And it's far, far worse and far more blatant than, than black and white in the United States. I mean, if you just replaced French and English, the stuff that they say about each other publicly in French Canada, you just replace that with black and white, it, it, would, it would be, you know, David Duke type stuff. It's just okay because it's a language thing. That's their form of prejudice where I was in Quebec. Not entirely sure about Toronto, but it's not a bastion of racism. So this girl comes from a place where that's not even a part of the history. Creates the Black Lives Matter movement, uh, co-founds it in Toronto, disrupts, goes out. These people, they cause crimes. They, 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 it's been overwhelmingly problematic, to use their word. And people don't like them. Nobody likes you, Booster. Nobody wants Black Lives Matter in their town. They're going, oh, crap. They showed up here and it was going so well. What, Heavenly Father, have we done what? to deserve it? Oh. This. And it's not black people. Anything but this. Bring the Nazis. Send the Nazis. <laughs> I'll take the bread lines. It's not black people. It's you. It's Black Lives Matter. You're, you know what? It's, it's a giant movement that consists of people who almost act entirely in unison like that shrill broad at the Starbucks yelling at Rick Scott. Her times a bunch of people giving money to Sean King. That's Black Lives Matter. It's, it's the OJ jurors with a lot more like enthusiasm and motivation. Right. And more racism. <laughs> and more racism. So this girl comes from it, creates a movement that's based on a falsehood. There isn't this racial tension. There isn't this racial history in Toronto. Uses it to create Black Lives Matter. Try and play the professional victim card. Then tweets out about how she's praying for, her, for help with her desire to murder all white people. Someone calls her on it and she has the nerve to tell them that they're being irresponsible. Why? Because she lost sleep. Because she's upset about something. This is the logic of the left. And this woman, her head hits the pillow at night. You, what's her? Yusra. By the way, I'm not sure if that's her given name. I don't know if that's like uh, like Cat Stevens situation, Yusuf Islam. Well, when you when you join the Black Lives Matter, you you're assigned a name. It's just your new. Yeah. <laughs> Doesn't, we're joking. That's probably true. It probably. Is true. I wouldn't be surprised. They probably like they pitch it to people, take it or leave it. 
We would propose this name. We would propose. It's simply a suggestion. That's right. He can be taught. Also, we would advise that um, you want to kill white people. Don't do it. Talk about it. This woman's head hits that pillow every night. Tonight, it's going to hit that pillow. And she's not, again, she's not going to look at herself in the mirror and say, you know what? If I, ha if I need to pray to the Zoroastrian pagan moon god, who then they rebranded it as Islam with a, a, a serial rapist pedophile, Muhammad as their holiest prophet, terrorism be upon him. You know, if, if, if I pray to that god for the strength to not kill all white people, is the, is the problem me? Is there a possibility that maybe there's something wrong with me? What you don't realize is everyone is just racist. I was proving that this week. I have a friend who's taking this this quiz for her uh, for her uh, social psychology class for education, right. and it proved your your biases because you pressed the letters E and I fast enough on a keyboard. It just is it's like a ticket popped out. Ding! You're racist. Right. It was. It wasn't. It was basically a microaggression test without saying. They, they never said microaggression, but yeah, it was a microaggression test. And it showed black faces and white faces. You're supposed to identify them fast enough, and then they start mixing in uh, weapons or um, uh, you know, just non-threatening objects. And you have to start associating them. Which one do you associate fastest? Which way? Either with the black and, and, and weapon or the, or the white and non, you know. So it keeps mixing it up. But it, the jury's out. The jury's in. I'm, uh, we're, we're all racists. Well, you said that you actually, when you tested, you attributed weapons more with white people. With white people, which is, that's if, you know, I think I just suck at the game because that's probably what's going on. It would correlate with the fact that you attributed um, to black people more so eroticism. Well, this is this is true. I didn't even know that was a category I was voting on with these buttons, but that's what came up. It's not a category for everyone, just you. Just me. That is what happened. Just me. But this girl's not even having that conversation with herself. Think about that. At no point is she asking herself... Am I the problem with wanting to kill white people? Her head is going down to that pillow at night, and as she, her last thoughts as she goes to sleep is, well, if she's not praying to the pagan moon god whose you know, prophet was a serial rapist, pedophile, Muhammad terrorism be upon him. Her last thought as she goes to bed is, oh, I can't believe that reporter had the nerve to ask me about killing white people. So irresponsible. That's what she's thinking. This is how far, and the worst part is she's probably going to be backed up by professors. She's probably going to be supported by other sympathetic figures in the media, feminist frequency. She'll make the Daily Beast tour. She'll make the Daily Beast tour. She might become a dragon lady. I don't know how far this goes. I don't know where it ends. But I, I just watched this and I'm sitting there going, we're so far off the beam. People, if any, saying you want to kill people because of their race, that is picture-perfect racism. If I were to use this in a video people or on air, they would say you're building a straw man. No one ever said they wanted to kill white people. She did! And she's mad that you think it's inappropriate. Check your privilege. The real root of all racism is not racism. It's your white penis. Lighter with Crowder. We'll wrap this up after the break. I hear too many stories from Americans whom the system has failed. Thank you, Mr. Sanders. I was walking to, to work the other day, 
and I fell, and I fell on a peppermint latte, a grande, and it went in my mouth, and I drank it, and I did that for about four more months. I, every time I would walk, I would trip on the sidewalk, and I would fall on this latte, and it would go in my mouth, and now my doctor says that I have diabetes, and I need you to pay for it. In a Bernie Sanders presidency, these Americans will be heard, and Bernie Sanders will help them. Not good enough, America! Hey, Crowderheads, if you're listening to this on iTunes or SoundCloud, or maybe on the YouTube live stream, because that's a thing now, you're missing so much content at louderwithcrowder.com. That's actually the bulk of what me and my glorious team, not Gay Jared notwithstanding, do on a daily basis, anywhere from four to ten articles a day with commentary, videos, GIFs, images, and it's all free. So if you want to be up to date on the news and entertained, just add louderwithcrowder.com to your RSS feed. Go check it every day. It's free. You get to support the site. And then, you know, maybe we'll give you some free stuff. I don't know. Maybe free college. What are they promising? Free college? Healthcare? I don't know. They're promising. We'll we'll give you that. Just, Just bookmark it and we'll give it to you. That's a promise. to be back we are looking at your tweets someone asked me to address the fact that i don't believe that majority should always rule and they disagree with it well thank you for respectfully disagreeing respectfully you're wrong let's move on so uh oh one thing tweet of the show that's right you said you wanted to bring up what is this profile this is a profile dedicated as my gaydar gaydar that's right this person is getting to the bottom gaydar, of it. getting to the bottom monitoring my tweets i think he, she, it, Z only follows me. Maybe you. Okay. But um, yeah, it's uh, some pretty good tweets. Some pretty good tweets helps they, with the uh, the you know. They're a good sleuth. Find they're, your conclusions. They're doing I don't work. Know. I, I want to bring up a couple of things because I wanted to ask uh, to answer some questions that people asked, and I wanted to tie it into something that I think is important. You know, we talked about this with Gad said he's a very smart guy, but he did mention that he he actually sees some more dogmatic, um, I guess sort of unilateral, close-minded sometimes with intellectuals at academia than you see elsewhere. And I'm, I'm glad that he actually admitted that, being an academic himself. I get this a lot on YouTube. So here I want to read a couple of comments. We can bring this up on the screen. This came to us on the YouTube from um, Ryan Costello. Are you able to bring it up? Not good, Jared. I'm not seeing anything. Oh, there we go. Ryan Costello says on the democratic socialism. Crowder, I don't generally agree with your worldview as it pertains to the role of government. But you do challenge my beliefs, which I appreciate. Thank you, Ryan. I wanted to pose a question. Does the decentralization of government authority always lead to a greater degree of prosperity for the greater number of people? Or in your estimation, is it imaginable that deregulation will open the door for oligarchical powers to enact unethical practices on a populace in the pursuit of profit? So isn't the theoretical discussion more about where the line should be drawn and not if one should be drawn at all? Thank you for the question. And I remember Philosophy 101 as well. Good for you. 
I know you've used, you attempted to be verbose and, and, and wordy, and I appreciate it. And I'm not saying that people shouldn't use more than a fourth grade vocabulary, okay? I support candidates who do. That's a good thing. But you managed to, in your attempt, in your pursuit of intellectuality, you, you fell right in the target of pseudo-intellectuality. And you, it's silly. And this is something, too. It's great to be able to seem articulate. But if you can't make a basic point and laser in on it, and if your argument is still really crappy, it doesn't matter how you try and present it. Talking about oligarchical powers, deregulation, th these are buzzwords, right? Establishment, deregulation, oligarchy, pursuit of profit. If you're going to be considered about oligarchy, effectively meaning a ruling class, right? Um, I'm not going to be as concerned about the cafe owner down the street, which again, small businesses make up the vast majority of corporations when you're discussing evil corporate overlords, as I am career politicians who can achieve public office like Bernie Sanders and then go 35 years without having to provide goods or services or some kind of serviceable employment for someone else. I am much more concerned if you're going to talk about oligarchical powers and deregulation with the people who manipulate the regulation and aren't beholden to any market forces whatsoever. You want to talk about oligarchy? How about somebody mandating that you purchase private insurance? Would that count? How about more executive orders than any president in the history of ever, Barack Obama? I'm much more concerned about that kind of an oligarchy than uh, Walmart getting me a $1.99 price discount on deodorant. It's just this, you know, people they, in their attempt to sound very intelligent sometimes, and I'm sure this guy is smart, they want to show everyone their ability to be intellectual as opposed to actually critical, uh, thinking critically. I have another one here. I don't know how much time we have uh, before we have to leave. We have three minutes. Um, all right, no, you know what, let, let, me, let, me bring, let me close that because it's longer and even more wordy. I, I, I'm not an anti-intellectualist, okay? I'm, I'm not a populist, and I like having discussions with intelligent people. However, like Mark Ripito was talking about, why do we consider intellectual only those who work in philosophy? Why not people who have degrees in maybe engineering? Why not people who have? Uh, why not people who are brilliant at being car mechanics? People can be brilliant in in many different facets of life, and. Intellectuals, people who are into philosophy, humanities, theory, that's great. We need those folks, too. But you can get so far off the beam that you're not even able to answer a basic question. Um, and sometimes you, don't need, sometimes you need a leader, and Bill Whittle has talked about this. It's the difference between Captain Kirk and Mr. Spock. All right, listen, we're, we're, we have to make a decision here. Do we, do we throw this strike? We could take out one of the leaders here of ISIS, but w w there could be some civilian casualties. Well, I think we need to analyze the situation and determine, really, what, is the, what are the geopolitical ramifications uh, regarding the oligarchical powers in the regions, of course. there. Uh, okay, we've got five seconds here. Someone has to pull a trigger. What do we need to do? Well, it's interesting that you mentioned these seconds, because time actually is relative, if you look at the theory of relativity, and you understand if you're traveling, ah, someone needs to make a decision. You're all dead, boom. You're a great consultant. You're not a great leader. You don't need to be the smartest guy in the room to be the best leader. You need to be smart enough, and you need to be able to make decisions. Expression, we've talked about this. I don't know if we talked about this on this show. I don't think so. People use this term a lot. Jack of all trades, master of none. That's not the actual term. The term was jack of all trades, master of one. That's how someone becomes great. And that one doesn't have to be a, a philosophy degree. That one can be being a great general. 
can be being a great business owner. You have to be smart enough. You have to be competent enough. You have to be physically fit enough. All of those things account for a complete human being, a complete man. And yes, I put physicality in there. This is your vehicle. Your brain is your vehicle. You should take care of that too. But it doesn't have to be your one trade that you master. And, and, and pseudo-intellectualism, and you see this in college a lot, you have people, they're so far down the trail, they want it's gender binary. They want to have these discussions, whereas it's a very basic answer. Penis or not, right? There are a few exceptions. That they get so far down the trail, there's no trail of breadcrumbs to bring them back to a basic logic trail. I'm not saying common sense is substantiation. What I am saying is that just because someone wants to sound intellectual doesn't necessarily mean that they are. And it's okay to question them. And if they point to their degree, they're almost definitely a fraud. Lotter with Crowder. Stay tuned. We'll see you next week.